Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Welcome back, Fred. Missed you, man. Wasn't the same without you last week. Thank you very much. Condolences, me and Pat, and the thousands and thousands of friends of Pat's and, and yours. Uh, unbelievable. At, at the uh, just a wonderful time for you to see all of Pat's friends, your friends. Uh, the line was. You know, out the door. They had him waiting in the uh, lobby. Forty-five people are waiting in the lobby. Minutes had to be fifty to seventy-five yeah. deep uh, for probably most of the of the day. And uh, wonderful lady, and uh, welcome back. Yeah, she. Uh, it's amazing because uh, I, I had told the funeral home uh, when we first got there there may be a lot of people, and they said, "Well, you'll have this whole big room." And then I told them on the way out after we had a ton of people on Wednesday, and I appreciate everyone that came out. There were a couple of listeners, a guy named Bob, that just came out and said, he said, you don't know me. He goes, I've listened to you all the time. I just wanted to come by. You always talk about your wife. Um, but, you know, I can get a place that's really small. Something happens to me. It's like, you know, we can do an analogy drive through uh, But, yeah, it was it was really nice. Everybody came out and a uh, nice little tribute to my wife. And uh, that was great. Six hours of uh, just shaking hands and the, the, the number of people that came by. Oh, my God. Uh, it was amazing. Actually, from all walks of life, the uh, Hinsdale Central guidance counselors, all of them, and they wore the shirt that she put together that said, uh, um, the guidance department is the heart of the school. And um, as soon as Pat gave the shirts to all of the counselors back in the day, the rest of the departments at the school got a little upset. They said, um, you, <laughs> you really, you can't... Uh, tell the rest of the school that one department's more important than the other. She goes, well, I think I just did. So, yeah, so that's the kind of... Yeah, so you know what? (laughs) Every once in a while you hear, what's up, Fred's can? Well, there were times where Pat had some stuff up her can, Uh and uh, all those people, it was great to see them from the Avery Coonley School and uh, all the people that have asked about the memorial fund for her. Really quickly, if if you're still interested and you want to get out there, you can go to averycoonley.org. That's A-V-E-R-Y-C-O-O nley.org slash donations. And when you click on that, you'll see the Patricia Hubner Memorial Scholarship Fund. And um, it was a school for um, for uh, high IQ, accelerated kids. And she she worked there and loved it. And uh, some of the so there were a couple of kids that came up that said, you know what? They go, if it wasn't for Mrs. Hubner, I never would have made it out of Avery Coonley because mm-hmm. I kind of caused some trouble. And she sat me down and said, they said, she didn't slap us, but she kind of verbally made sure that we got everything right and figured it all out. And, uh, and uh, it was great to hear all the stories. And then parents that came by afterwards, and uh, it was wonderful. It was just a, it was a great tribute for her, to her, one that she deserved uh, So after all this battle. Pet invented tough love and uh, easy love. So yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You, and, you, then, and then somehow she loved me. I don't know how that uh, happened. That goes back to I got lucky. high school. Yeah. Right? Well, right after high right school, in, okay. yeah, I went to, we both went to Morneese. She's, yeah. she, she's younger than me. Let's just say that. Uh-huh. And uh, then I met her at a, uh, at a party about a year later when I was getting ready to drive my buddy back to northern Illinois. And I asked, I, I saw her the... 
in the kitchen when uh, we were all talking. She was listening <laughs> into our conversation as we were drinking some rock and rye and having cold cuts. And uh, yeah. and I asked her. I said, you know, you know, how you doing? I go, my this is my buddy Larry and Bob, and this I'm Fred. And who are you? And Little did she know that uh, she'd have be with me for the next 40-some years. Well, you included that in the wonderful uh, handout there with uh, all the stories and reminiscing. And she, her first education job was back in the old neighborhood area, right? Back Jane Cicero to, yeah. at Sherlock School. Really? Yeah. yeah. Right by the Red Feather Building. For the, I don't even know if that's still there. <laughs> right. I think it's an administration building or something. Second and third grade yeah. did I read you wrote? Taught second or? and third grade, yeah, yeah. and she loved it. And yeah. uh, I'd be on the floor cutting up cardboard stuff so she could decorate uh-huh. her room and that was the biggest thing and uh, she loved those kids from second and third grade and then to Avery Coonley for 11 years and then Hinsdale Central for 16 so uh, she worked up until the last couple of years so yeah it's uh, beautiful yeah quite a tribute and uh, a lot of great wow. people coming out and uh, it was great to see everybody well it wasn't the same without you last week welcome back partner but what do we have? We've got welcome a sh- back partner you sound a little bit like Eddie Olchek there <laughs> I was gonna say well, welcome back Cotter <laughs> Oh, how many times do you hear Eddie Olchek say partner when he's yeah. talking about Pat Foley? And now we get to talk to Eddie today. Well, we sure will. Yes, we but will. In the first hour, look who we have. Jesse Rogers. Yeah, little guy's going to check in. Who's the next Cubs manager? We'll just touch on that because I got better, got deeper fish to fry with Jesse. Then at, at 10 o'clock hour, you just said it. Eddie O. Eddie Olchek. He's got his... Book supposed to be just wonderful. We'll talk with EO uh, a little bit later. Not EO 11. Another EO. That's Eric Ostrowski. We're surrounded by EO. It was Eddie Olchek beating the odds in hockey and in life. And then 11 o'clock. We did, yet we're not done with all this. It's oh, Patrick Finley from the Sun Times. <laughs> Bozo Circus is on the air. I love it, Eric. It's quite amazing. Uh, Patrick's got a great article today. He says oh, yeah. Mitch looks ready. Uh-huh. Um, the last week or so, uh, with everything that's been going on with my wife and me not being here, I wanted to bring up, it's it's quite amazing. That's ever, ever since Mitchell Trubisky went down with a shoulder injury, how much worse he's gotten. It's amazing. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's like awful. Uh-huh. I mean, since he's gotten hurt and not thrown a pass, he's become a worse quarterback in the mind of almost everybody out there. What are you Give doing? the guy a break. Are you looking ahead at the uh, Murph and Fred oh. fan focus group Twitter polls for today? <laughs> all right. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Number one. Are you still up? This is yes or no. Uh-huh. Are you still optimistic that the Bears can reach the Super Bowl? All right. Okay. Yes or no. And then right behind it, number two. If the Bears lose tomorrow, will you still be optimistic the Bears can reach the Super Bowl? Yes or no. I'm assuming. You know, know what that does? Yeah. Makes an ass out yeah, of me. That's what they always say. You know. <laughs> No, they don't. I just, I'm the one that says it that way. <laughs> Makes an ass out of, out of you know who. Yeah. So, uh, these should be different uh, percentage responses. Sure. So, number one, are you still optimistic? Super Bowl Bears, yes or no? And if they lose tomorrow, will you be uh, still optimistic uh, for the Super Bowl? Got a few other Bears uh, Twitter poll questions there. We'll get to in a few minutes. A it's, White Sox, couple Cubs. It's been it's been forever since they played. I mean, it's they've had they've had the worst schedule to start a season. Starting the first game of the season, they played the first game on a Thursday. Then they played the last game of week two. 
I mean, and then <laughs> they go to they go to London. Then they have a week off. Yeah. Now, thank goodness, they get a couple of you know they start running up uh, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, which would be nice to see. I guess we should say, are the players still optimistic, huh, about the Super Bowl? Miss a little, miss a lot. Uh, Prince of Mukamura was on with our buddy uh, Jonathan Hood. Okay. Oh, after maybe after week one or maybe week two, and I've had this soundbite here, and we're going to play it now. It's a, a shorty, about ten fifteen seconds. Now, this is Prince of Mukamura, and he says this after week a game two. Okay, but he talks about last. He talks about the Super Bowl. Okay, and he talks about last season. And then he talks a little bit about, about this season. And, uh, well, let, let, let's hear it on, on Jay Hood. Last year was the year, like, I've never, belie- never believed that much that we, like, I really believe, like, we were going to win the Super Bowl last year. And I've never thought that about any team that I've been on where I've won championships. But last year just felt just felt right. And um, and this year we're, we're, we're starting to feel that um, that same feeling. So um, just so, yeah, just be patient with us and keep believing in us. There's a lot there. Yeah. I don't know that I had ever heard any player actually come out and say it. Maybe, you know, miss a little, miss a lot. Yeah, we, haven't asked Tom, we haven't asked Tom Brady lately, but <laughs> and, otherwise. No, I meant bear yeah. player. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard a bear player say, I, I felt we, no. could, we were going to win the Super Bowl. Well, no, no. Last year. <laughs> I felt we were gonna. Yeah. Now he's played. He's a what five, six, seven, eight year guy. Oh, yeah, he's been around New York Giants. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. He said right there that was the first time I ever felt, and that was the closest I ever felt on all the you know he's sure. played all the te- but, other teams he's played. And all the, we all felt that way. I mean, sure. I should. I did. We talked about it. You get past Philly, you go to beat the Rams yeah. again. Yeah, no problem. But even earlier in the season, yeah. I mean, it was rolling. It was rolling. Sometimes, you know things just take off. And that's why the oldest expression in the world, you, you only can win this season. Don't worry about next year until next year. Right. And that's sort of what he was saying there. I thought last year was the year. Now, and again, that was uh, about two, three games ago. And he says, well, I'm, you know, we're, I'm still hoping for this year. Sure. But you could tell it's not yet and that was no, you know, no, no. They don't have that, They don't quite have that feeling yet. He said they're starting to get that feeling, yeah. uh, and that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it would be nice to see if they could get that feeling now after they've had the bye week, and now they get to take on a team that's pretty beat up in the in the Saints without Breeze and without um, uh, Kamara and, and without end. Cook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and the Bears they get you know they're at home, and um, you know, I don't know if they've said it this week, but they need the fan support this week because. There's not, you know, after being in London and everything else, even though they hit a lot of people, it's going to be a big, big game for them tomorrow at 325 start. Well, that brings us back then uh, to our Twitter poll questions. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Are you still optimistic as a Bears fan that they can reach the Super Bowl this mm-hmm. year? Yes or no? And here's even more key. Number two, if the Bears lose tomorrow... Will you still be optimistic that the Bears can reach the Super Bowl this year? Yes or no? Let's slide over, take a few quick calls. Jesse in a few minutes. Bear fan Bob, he's on the old Tri-State Tollway. Now they call it 294, of yeah. course. Yes, I, they I still do. call it the Tri-State. Hey, Bear fan Bob. Uh, let's try once more here. There hey, we Bob. go, Bob. I'm sorry. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, good morning, guys. Fred, my, my dearest condolences. I did meet your wife once. Down at Real Time Sports many years ago. I yep. don't know if you remember or not. I remember it I'm well. Very, very, I'm very, very sorry. Thank you. Anyway, moving on. 
the Bears can do this. Uh, I should actually answer your Twitter poll questions. The answer is yes and yes. And I'll talk quickly about Mitchell Trubisky. Huh. Best thing Mitchell Trubisky could have happened is him getting benched a little bit. Quarterbacks, when they first get, get drafted, should carry the clipboard for a year, maybe two. Mitchell Trubisky got thrown out there and, uh, on the field right away, and he should have never saw that field the first year. This little uh, injury, and I don't 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 get me wrong, I don't want to see him hurt. Causes him to reflect a little bit and maybe maybe get get it get his head back into the game a little bit, and maybe not be so jittery in the pocket. I think that this will help him greatly. Now back to my thoughts. Anyways, uh, if the Bears want to win this game, number one, stop with the penalties. Quit beating yourself. Number two. Throw the ball down the field deep a couple of times and spread that defense out. And next of all, run, Forrest, run. Run the football. <laughs> keep New Orleans Saints off the field. If you keep them off the field, they can't score. Just a few thoughts. You know, and being that Kyle Long is not going to be out there, Fred, because I'm not a fan of his either, by yep. the way, he's, he plays, they actually do have a chance to do this. You know, I think if Mitchell Trubisky makes some good decisions, they will actually win this game, but I think it's going to be a close game. Those are kind of my thoughts, guys. Hey, Bob, hang on. And, Fred, you guys must be looking yep. at Twitter poll question number five. Here we go, Bear fan Bob and Fred. Yes or no? Yes, the Bears will be improved this week at right guard with Ted Larson slash Rashad Coward playing in place of Kyle Long, right guard. I think I know how Fred's voting. Oh, Bear yeah. fan Bob, you go first. Will they be improved? Oh. No question about it because we've seen this movie before. Absolutely. Very good. Bob, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Bye. Bob. All right. You know, the one thing, and for all of the uh, people out there, and you wonder sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of guy and what kind of guy is. If he can play, that's great. That's all we want. And the way that Kyle Long has played since the playoff game last year against Philadelphia and what he's played this year, it goes to show what a guy that deals with the media really well, what that does for him. Because even this week, I heard more people writing writing you know columns basically saying, oh, he tried so hard, he did this, he did He shouldn't have been playing. He's been hurt. He shouldn't have been playing. They gifted him this, the position because he was able to stand on his two feet. And um, this year was... It, it, that's a huge mistake for Harry Heastan and the uh, you know and the the coaches up at Hallis Hall. There is there's other players that could have been better, and now I think from from now on going forward will be better. Well, let the record show you've been on to this for a long, long time. You're not Johnny Come Lately no. on, on this. Uh, just though from and I, I agree with you. A devil's advocate though, or the other side of the coin is uh, you know. He was a good teammate. I mean, I, no, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you should start. He did uh, kick back some dough when uh, he cut some of his pay or deferred it or whatever right. to help. But, you know, the goal is to win. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I know. I mean, totally with you on that. Yeah, it's, it's just it, Rashad Coward or, or I thought Larson was doing great. And then when Coward came in afterwards, he played well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when Kyle went back out there, he's trying to block guys by backing into him. He just couldn't play. And if we can see it. Lord knows the coaches know more than we do. If I can see it and if other people can see it, the coaches should have been able to see that he should have been out of the lineup a while ago. So last week, uh, working here uh, and thinking of Fred, we had one of our Twitter polls, which 
got a little bit of action out there and uh, got some people on both sides of the old teeter-totter. And I, I posed the you know question, basically, uh, how important is the tight end? Because right. we know that it's been a problem. Sure. How important is the tight end to uh, you know Matt Nagy's overall scheme? And, uh, you know, we had multiple jokes, like, you know, a lot, some, not much. And then, but D, D was, how do we know? In other words, the point is, we all love football. We watch football. We think we know a little X's and O's. And just through osmosis, you know, just over time, you got to learn a little bit about football and watching and talking and listening. But, you know. Am, am I really? Are you, is, is anyone really that expert to be able to say, well, here's why, why, and why that tight end is so important. So we had all, all the votes across the board, right. and, and about coming in second place was how the heck do we know? You know, well, Adam Johns was on okay. ESPN 1000 uh, earlier this week. Uh, in fact, he was yesterday, on, uh, right? yesterday yeah, with Abdallah and Shea Pepler at ten fourteen in the morning. Uh-huh. And uh, Adam Johns, well, what do you know? He's talking about Trey Burton, and, and uh, he's the key. Let's listen. The guy had a career year last year as the Bears' number one tight end, and we know that move tight end position is so essential to Matt Nagy's offense. And that's not J.P. Holt. That is not Ben Broniker. That's not second round pick Adam Shaheen. That is Trey. Burton, who got the big contract. So you see some of the inefficiencies of the offense, and I think a lot of it has to do with Trey Burton not feeling like himself. Yeah. All right. There's no doubt. Well, think about it. And like I said, we're, we're, we're not experts. We watch the games our entire life. We try to be as expert as we can. But you look at the Green Bay Packers. They brought over uh, Jimmy Graham last year to help them out. He didn't this year. There's a better uh, combination between um, the quarterback and their their tight end. And because mm-hmm. of that, they're winning. Mm-hmm. It shows you in nowadays in football how important the tight end. San Francisco doesn't have a loss yet, and they've got one of the best tight ends in the league. Okay, So the tight ends are so imperative through the offense, especially the offense, that we saw Matt Nagy put in last year. And what Trey Burton did last season. Now, the phrase, and Adam Johns used it, and I think a lot of fans have How heard it. I forget Aaron Rodgers' name. Was, uh, at least it just didn't say Brett Favre. No. I Brett Favre would have been funny. Hey, listen, I've called, I've called Anthony Rizzo uh, Mark Grace a dozen times, so yeah. <laughs> Similar guys. Uh, kind of. Right, man. Yeah. Both white first basemen. That's yeah. fine. I we'll mean, you know, <laughs> you know, it happens once in a while. B- uh, both aren't Italian. One is. Yes. Yeah. Right. One is, yes. Adam Johns. He used the phrase, the move tight end, right? Yeah. Okay. The guy had a career year last year as the Bears' number one tight end, and we know that move tight end position. Okay. That simply means you got two types of tight ends. You got one guy that's more like the Coca-Cola machine that's supposed to be like the inline blocking guy. Uh-huh. Uh, but the move tight end is supposed to be the guy that well, moves. He can go in motion. He can run better routes, you know, a little deeper. He's, right. fa- he's the move tight end. Yeah. So they got three other tight ends. They got the Brunecker. They got Adam Shaheen. Right. And, and have- is it Hintz or Holtz? Holtz. Holtz. Yep. 
Whoever he is. And he actually caught a pass. He caught a yeah. pass. I remember an out pass on the right side and stepped out of bounds. But, um, but none of them are moved tight no. ends. Uh-uh. So here's the question. Well, they, had hoped, they had hoped that Shaheen in the uh, inside the red zone, he was going to be the guy. Because yeah. his first year he caught like three touchdown passes. But so, that's it. So in other words, the four tight ends that uh, Ryan Pace has uh, put on the roster is not two moves and two in no. line or whatever the phrase is these days, is one and three. Yep. Doesn't seem like that's the way you want to balance it out on. What do I know? Just a fan, you know. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. it would, it would be not, it would, well, see, they were hoping that Adam Shaheen could be a little bit of both. Well, yeah. A guy that could block and actually get downfield and catch the ball no, and things I, like that. But and he's not. His biggest problem is staying on the field. So I guess you could say they really don't even have four tight ends. Yeah. Because Shaheen can't do either. It appears. Yeah, struggles a bit. He's not the Coca-Cola machine, and he's not the move guy. No. So, hello. <laughs> yeah, you're you're wishing for a little bit more, and unfortunately you're not getting it from him. Let's see, he's got seven catches this year for 50 yards. Mm-hmm. Even Burton. Burton's got 11 for 57. That's not nearly enough for their tight end. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully they'll get a few more this week. One of my questions, and I know we'll talk about it, we got Patrick Finley at 11, but... Yeah. That all week long, we know that Mitchell Trubisky was was practicing, and then uh, the final injury report comes out, and he's listed as questionable. Well, so he's, he's I, I don't taken know if that's all just playing games or what. Uh, I, he's taken all the snaps. I know, I know, and they wouldn't have moved Tyler Bray. You would think um, if they were not going to have Mitchell Trubisky. Well, that play was this to week. activate uh, Sowell or whatever his name is, S-O-W-E-L-L, yeah. Yeah. put him back on practice, and they figure no one's going to claim him. Because if you claim Tyler Bray, then you have to put him on your active or right. whatever, right? Yeah. So that was not a risky move. No, no, but... but because they knew no one was going to claim him. When you take him off the active roster, then you knew right away that, of course, Trubis- right away your thoughts are, well, Trubisky's playing, oh, he's ready. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's ready to go. That's why they, Tyler Bray went you know, went back. Right, so. right. Hey, how about your call? Did you hear your call? Now, this was uh, after the uh, the last game, after the loss to Oakland in uh, London. Yurko. It's hard to remember. It was so long. I know. Yurko did a quick look. This is great. No one knows line play better than uh, John. On both sides. It is exactly. Right, it, because it is. he played one side and he had to go against yeah. the other side. Yeah. You know, if you're a defensive lineman, you know, you know everything about the offensive line's, you know, moves uh-huh. and what they schemes. So here, this is real quick. He rates sort of, a, you know, in order. I think he does this. Does he do this one through five? Yeah. See, he rates the Bears at top. Well, they're starting five offensive line, which has been the story, like, you know, most of the year. What's wrong with the offensive line? You're going. You know, Massey's yeah, up there. He was a serviceable right tackle. When he's your second best offensive lineman, you got a problem. He should be your fifth best offensive lineman, your right tackle. Right now, he's number two behind Whitehair. Daniels and Longer, five and five A, five A, five B. It's where that. Leno, as a gift, as a part of charity. Because he's somewhat athletic, I put three. him as the third best offensive yeah. lineman. <laughs> right. So your problems are with the offensive line, and guess what? You got out toughed. I've never heard that phrase. Have you? I've heard out physicaled, out toughed. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, they did, and the other thing is too that he's been called for more. Was it more holding penalties for than any yeah. other offensive line? And I know. I mean, if you watch the the Packer Lion game the other day, you see that they're calling line holding and things like that a little bit closer and a little bit tighter this uh-huh. year. And Leno maybe has gotten called a couple of times where he probably shouldn't have. Unfortunately, you got to learn to play by the rules that they're playing by. And uh, hopefully Leno has figured that out in the last two weeks. 
I've got some thoughts on in one move, I can stop all the problems that the NFL has. And, you know, the number one problem the NFL has, at least this was according to Dan Orlovsky. We'll play this later in the show. The number one problem the NFL has is, well, the uh, referees. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty bad. Uh, let's try to call in before Jesse Rogers, uh, Russell Alsip on ESPN 1000 with Murph and Fred. Russell, go. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing today? Hey, hey Russell. Hey. Um, I just heard uh, you guys uh, complain about like the tight end with Burton. I just think a lot of it's just the fact that Trubisky can't really get the ball to work. I know you mentioned uh, San Francisco being undefeated, but I mean their run game is pretty much since they're running the ball like eighty-five percent of the time they're uh, on offense. Right. And Green Bay, I think their defense got a hell of a lot better, um, along with their run games actually starting to do some some damage as well, along with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I just think. I mean, everybody in general for the Bears' offense is just because Trubisky's not really getting the ball a whole lot, unfortunately. But uh, is but he, guys, hey, Russell, thing. Russell, before you go, is he not yes, is he not getting in the ball because Burton's not getting open quick enough? Or I mean, because there were a couple I mean, of plays, there were a couple of plays where he caught the ball right over the line of scrimmage, like they did last year. And then he would go after that. But be, even this week, he said he's not. He's not 100% with that groin, and maybe he's not getting off the line as quickly as he should. And because the offensive line's been struggling, the quarterback, be it Trubisky or Chase Daniel, don't have time to get the ball to these guys. No, I agree. I think it, I think they both could probably take some blame for it. I mean, the offense in general is just a well-oiled machine right now, as you guys probably can know. But uh, I don't know. I just think, uh, like the caller said before, Trubisky got to take a few shots down the field a little bit. Maybe yep. Um maybe be a less, uh, little bit less predictable on the offensive end, and I think it would open up a lot more, especially the run game as well. But we'll see. Thanks, Russell. Hey, great job. Phone appreciate again. it. Phone again, Russell. Thanks, Thanks. buddy. You, you guys have a good one. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. Jesse, next. And we got Eddie Olchuk in the 10 o'clock hour. Eddie's with his, oh, the book. I heard him with a cat man the other day, Beating yep. the Odds is the name of the book. Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life. Patrick Finley, the Bears beat at Sun-Times. We're busy. Jesse next, ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Twitter poll is jumping. Vote at ESPN 1000. Oh, here's one minute away from Jesse Rogers. All right. uh, What do you think the fans, the uh, Cub fans, or anyone's going to vote on this one, Fred? Okay. Multiple choice. How much pressure does Theo Epstein feel right now? Pressure. Now, remember, he's on... uh, He's got two years left on the uh, second five-year deal. Mm-hmm. He's on years nine and ten, if you will. How much pressure does Theo Epstein feel right now? A, a ton. B, lots. C, some. D, zero. <laughs> hey, it's Saturday. Maybe he's at the park. <laughs> Jesse Rogers, our baseball guy at ESPN 1000. He terrorizes the, the cops. He flies around. He pops up in every hotel on the road. They go, that guy again? Hey, Jesse. 
Well, speaking of that, I'll tell you a quick story from last night. Where, speaking of popping up everywhere, yeah. so I went to the I went to the Ohio State Northwestern game. <laughs> skipped watching baseball, went to watch some football, and who do I sit next to? The manager of the Baltimore Orioles, who lives in Evanston, ah. Brandon Hyde, yes. the former bench coach, and also yeah. the brother-in-law. Of a uh, Cubs managerial candidate, Joe Espada. Well, when, when I understand, excuse me, I understand when, when yep. Brendan saw he tried to hide. He did definitely try to hide, but he's good. Good to see him. He had a rough first year as a manager, but he he learned a lot, and he did not have any insight. You know me. The first question I asked, <laughs> sure. who's the Cubs manager? You know, sure. Uh, so yes, uh, I did pop up right next to Brandon Hyde, and uh, we saw a clunker. I was rooting for Northwestern all the way. Do you, sure. do you guys happen. do you guys just know the same guy for free tickets or what? Fred, please keep keep that stuff off the. Where'd you guys I mean, sit in the free you section? Said that. Yes, I said that. Uh, You're right. <laughs> It was it was close to the fifty yard line. It was a perfect um, night. I know they. I watched oh, the beginning cool. of the game. They said it was a perfect night. It was. It yeah. was a perfect night. Yeah, fifty two to three. Other than the score, it was perfect. Yeah, I right. mean, there's does, been good. Justin, does this Northwestern mean, years there been bad? Does this ones. mean we're not going to see Greeny and uh, Julia Louis right. uh, Dreyfus <laughs> hanging around? Yeah, this was their big primetime game <laughs> on Friday night, and it was bumped off the off of Fox Sports yeah. One oh. because the rain out oh. the day before for baseball. So it was on the Big Ten All Network, right. and yeah, I don't. I, Greenberg doesn't show up for a for a losing season. No, he's All not right. going to be there. <laughs> All right, Jesse, Fred, let's fire through a few things. Give me the quickie. Anything you know? We got people that can't listen Monday through Friday. What about the Cubs manager? Can you give us like if there's nothing new, just say Murph, nothing new. No, there really isn't anything new. The only thing I will tell you is I thought from the start that Girardi was going to be lower on the list than mm-hmm. most people. And you hear, you've heard some good things about a spot, and I'm learning about him as well. And there's a lot of good things about him. I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be the next Cubs manager. But what I'm getting at is I think it was always more likely for Theo and Jed to hire a newbie than an established guy like Girardi. They don't want to pass on the next great guy. And I don't know if that's Venable or Loretta, but if they think Espada is the next great manager coming up the yeah. pike, then, then, <clears throat> then that's the more likely scenario than a guy like Girardi. Uh, I wrote about all this yesterday. Uh, you know, there's nothing really new no. in terms of uh, what's going to happen. Uh, we don't know. Correct. I know this guy's Epstein like a book, like the back of my hand. Here's what he's doing. It's called window dressing. He's interviewing all these people, and I'll disagree with you and everyone else, but you've said everyone, they're not trying to get information from these people. If someone gives them some, you know, intel, fine. You know what? No. When Theo hires Ross, no one can say, well, you you didn't even talk to anybody else. That's just me. I could be okay, wrong. But, but the they only could thing name I'll a spouse is, tomorrow or whatever. Right. Right. No, but the only thing I'll say is, then, okay, then why even add Gabe, Cap- Gabe Kapler to the list? There has to be some reason. They already had other all these other candidates. That's Theo's buddy add. from Boston. He was on yeah. the field when they okay. beat the curse okay. of the Bambino, so, and he's just I, trying to profile him so other teams, okay. oh, man, Gabe. Yes. I agree with that. So I, I agree with you. There were ulterior motives. To, they didn't okay, just talk cool. to someone for no reason. Right. There were there was some ulterior yeah. motives for them or for the other side. Uh, but I don't disagree with you. Okay. This has been sort of David Ross's job to lose uh, probably for mm-hmm. almost twelve months now. You know, yeah. since since I wrote it in my story, since the time in December when they kept on saying, "Well, we missed David Ross in the locker room." 
Well, a year later, you have a chance to hire him. Yeah. He'll be 20 feet away from the line. You know, you know what it probably became David Ross's job to to, uh, to lose is a couple years ago when uh, when all of a sudden Alex Cora and Aaron Boone had their teams playing very well. Then Theo sure. probably said, hey, we don't need a guy. We don't need a high-priced guy. We just get a, another guy in here that knows the game a little bit, can communicate with people, and then let the players do the work. E- even better than that, I think Dave Martinez's success. Okay, sure. for the second year. But I think in an NL, you know, young manager having success means a lot more even than an AL. I'm but I agree you, with you. I'm glad I you brought him you. up. Let me ask you this. I yeah. hope Davey Martinez wins the World Series. Now, he was sitting next to Joe for five years in Tampa Bay or whatever and sitting next to Joe here. If if when Theo knew that Joe wasn't coming back after the fifth year, I don't care what anybody says. Point is... Davey Martinez, if this guy wins the World Series, how could anyone say, well, why, why, why didn't you keep him or bounce Joe? And should Davey Martinez, I don't think he's, you know, maybe a step ahead of, of other names, but when you win the World Series, that gives you some cachet. Do you think he yeah. was ever considered or what happened? No, I don't. I don't. You know, it took him a long time to get the Nationals job. Uh-huh. And and just being around him, nothing against him. I just like I didn't know that he'd be, you know, the the next great manager. He's just, you yeah. know, he's just a guy, a good baseball uh-huh. guy and given his chance, he's ran, he's ran with it. Uh-huh. But I can't. I can't. But obviously, Theo and those guys know him better than four, I do internally. Four, four great, three great, great pitchers and exactly. a couple other good ones yeah. help, right? It helps. Exactly, it helps. Jess. <laughs> I mean, right. come so, on. I mean, you yeah, make I, you I, make I, one or two key moves, and all of a sudden you're a genius. I mean, yeah, it's all you yeah. got to do in a 162 game season. But he did need a year. You know, yeah. he sort of did need a year to find his way. Well, they had to get rid of. They had to get rid of Bryce Harper. Yeah. Yes. By the <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. who picked the Nats for the World Series? If you haven't heard it a million times on the air, Mike Rizzo. <laughs> In March, Mar- Mike, in Mike, March. Riz- Mike Rizzo picked them. Well, he picks them every year. Hey, let me ask so. you. About- oh, Jesse, you know what this is? It's the lightning round. It's the lightning round, my friend. All right. We're going to fire the all right? Theo has two years to go. Uh, from Chicago, native, GM of the Washington Nationals, Mike. So can I can I pencil in Mike Rizzo at twenty twenty two as a Cub GM? You know, it'd be real interesting who Tom Ricketts has gotten to uh, know over the years uh, now as, as as owner. It's always about who you know and uh-huh. stuff. And, you know, first time around, he he, pro- he needed some help, right? He needed some help, but mm-hmm. this time around, he, he probably knows knows the game a little bit more. And mm-hmm. look, Jed Hoyer is sitting right there. When Theo moves on, Jed's going to be elevated, or he's moving on. He bought a three million dollar house here, so I don't think he's moving anywhere soon. Peanuts. Houses can be sold. Peanuts, but I do Fred, think, What do we I do, do with think peanuts? He'll be elevated. <laughs> Feed him to the elephants. Eat him like most elephants do. Yeah, feed like other elephants. Ralph Cramden. <laughs> You're too young to remember Ralph Cramden. Lightning to the moon, Murph. To the moon. Oh, no, that's not PC. Lightning round. All right. From <laughs> July 1st through July 31st, Whit Merrifield, Whit Merrifield. Oh. We got a, a leadoff guy with the Royals. You can trade him. He's on base guy fast. He can play service. So what is Whit Merrifield now uh, off the board? Is he's still he's still a guy I would love. What's going on? I don't know anything about what's going on with him. Uh-huh. I mean, I, if the Royals are sort of mm-hmm. uh, think they're going to rebuild quickly, then mm-hmm. you'd keep him, right? But but he's yeah. probably worth a lot on the open market. Uh, probably they don't. The Cubs don't have a leadoff man. 
I will tell you, he's probably worth more to the Royals now in uh-huh. the open market than okay. than July 31st. Yeah. Think about leadoff men. They don't, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of them don't get traded July 31st for big, big hauls. But this is a guy mm-hmm. that would now. Well, you also really quickly you have to look at the leadoff men that are playing right now. Uh, you know, your, oh, yeah. your leadoff guys are Springer and, and LeMahieu. They're not your typical leadoff men, but they hit home runs. And yeah. so, you know, unfortunately, and I, you know, I kind of like your traditional leadoff man, but. It, it's tough because most teams just don't do it, and that's what the Cubs were trying to do. It just hasn't right. worked. They tried it. Right? They all failed. I, 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 I think there's going to be such an overall here that leadoff man is in the mix. Okay. But there's we're going to see a, a different-looking roster at this point, and, and I don't think you know we can know what it's going to look like in Whit Merrifield's availability and all that stuff. Jesse will have to go Everybody's around. Everybody's available. Jesse will have to go around spring training and introduce himself to people. Hello, well, Jesse Rogers. So. I'm going to bother you a lot this year. So, so will David Ross, I guess. You're right. I mean, you're there'll right. only be a handful left from the World Series, probably. Remember we'll me? I sat next to you at a Big Ten game once. <laughs> Lightning round. Lightning round. All right, uh, uh, Jesse. Uh, Twelve months ago, right now. We were being told uh, from the Cubs uh, media machine over there uh, that uh, Brandon Morrow uh, would be ready by May 1st last year uh, to be the bullpen guy. All right. I remember asking you around April 15th, you heard anything from Brandon Morrow? (laughs) No. May 1st. He never pitched, did he? Nope. He tried. He did bat fields in August in AZ, right? But here's my question. A, did someone medical, did someone tell Theo this time a year ago in October, November, Morrow's going to be ready May 1st? And he got bum information? Or did something go wrong on the rehab? Or, or did Theo know all along he wasn't coming back and was just throwing that out there because Tom Ricketts had told him we got no money uh, for a new closer? I want to just look back. I know it's a long time ago. Yeah, no, Who no. told I, Theo he'd be ready May 1st and he couldn't pitch all year, do you think? The only thing I'm going to tell you is he had the same surgery minor surgery that you Darvish had and he only he but he had it a month later so they Darvish was progressing well they just figured okay Morrow's going to be a month after Darvish they who's they later the medical staff I mean the medical staff the Cubs now having said that this is a guy that is is has been off off injured so I mean (laughs) look as soon as he's rehabbing you're thinking what's the next injury with him so here's the point. What Theo should have done is assume he's not coming back, uh-huh. and, and and as they did later in the summer, right. and go ahead and, and bring in a closer in January instead of June, mm-hmm. where everybody was clapping, not you and me, Murph, everybody was clapping, oh, the Cubs are pushing their chips in. Yeah, you don't push your chips in in June. You push them right. in in January when you don't have a closer. See, that was one of the things that I remember that Ozzie Gian used to always say, because people we used to ask Ozzie about a guy that was hurt, and Ozzie said, I got 25 guys on my roster right now. I'm yeah. not talking about any of the hurt guys till they're back on my team. But and obviously the manager didn't talk much about it. This was the GM, but I used to love that. One of the things I loved from Ozzy, if he's not here, I ain't talking about him. Yeah, and, and Joe Madden didn't talk too much about no, him. No, you're right. They just assumed he'd be a month after Darvish, yeah. May 1st. But, I mean, that was quite the assumption yes. and the wrong one. <laughs> yes, it was. Jesse, you're the best. Um, we didn't have time on the lightning round. Just to remind everybody, the Cubs, they only had one problem. One problem. No farm system. 
That's the only problem. Just a small little one. Well, but that was that. I mean, <laughs> that that started the the landslide, the waterfall of everything else. And, yes. and, and Theo's the master at pay no attention to the man behind the curtain from the Wizard of Oz, you know. Because he's got 12 new guys moving. He's got a hitting director, a pitching director. He's got a director of athletics, a director of bring me the coffee. He's hiring all these people and to muddy the water. Obfuscate, if you will. Can you he, say that on the air? He's a squanderer uh-huh. and he's an obfuscator. Okay. That's what Theo is. Jeez. Because Pena, <laughs> what's true? There was only one problem, Jesse, the fame system. So let's rearrange all these ch- all these guys are in-house and giving them new titles and that. I you know, Tom, I hate to feel sorry for a billionaire. Tom Ricketts, he's got no idea what's happening. Can we do this next time we get together? Jesse. Can, can I give you a poll question based on yes! your pressure? You, oh, yes. A, a twist on your poll question. Here's Ooh. a good one. Oh, I love that. He, he are, we, we know he has pressure. Is there more pressure on what Theo does in the next two weeks, <laughs> meaning hiring a manager, or what he does after he hires a manager? I like which, it. Which place has more pressure on Theo? Which, yeah. which decision? EO 11, Jesse's bucking for the producer's job here today. <laughs> Be careful, buddy. He's got experience. Well, he's got at like, least a month like off. Joe, hey, Murph, like Joe Madden, it's all, all things come full circle. Yeah. If, I, if I start producing your show, yeah. we will have come full circle. Well, I can't wait for your next Joe Madden book. I know the title. I know, I know the title. Everybody sucked except me. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'll see you next week, Fred. I hope you're doing well. Take care. Guys. Thank you very much, yes. Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred. Vote now. Try not to suck because, Lord, we did. How, everyone except me, he's got to say, Joe, and he might be right. How much pressure, vote now, how much pressure does Theo Epstein feel right now? A ton? A lot? Some or zero, and we got a lot of Bears poll questions up. Eddie check in about a, oh, a little less than an hour. Patrick Finley, sometimes Bears guy. We're moving quick. It's Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. So I don't know uh, what I was watching the other day. It was... Uh, NBC Sports Chicago, you know, maybe after a game. Sure. And uh, beer money popped up. Oh, I love beer money. You know, I love, it. I love beer, beer money? and I love money, yeah, so I, I like, like beer money. money. Who doesn't yeah. like playing trivia games? It's yes. fun. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I learned one thing about mm, years ago. People, listeners, listeners hate the word trivia. Did you know that, Eric? They hate the word trivia. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People hate the word trivia. Uh, they, they go to the, uh, they tune out. Oh, trivia. But you package it up and you call it beer money. Oh, they love beer money. Well, anyway. see, they, don't, they might not like trivia, yeah. for the, but if there's trivia, if there's money involved with trivia, yeah. everybody loves money. So, Right. Okay. Yeah. Beer money. So uh, I was Kelly uh, Kroll and Kelly Kroll. Uh, used to be uh, Luke uh, Stuckmeyer. So I'm watching it. And uh, there's a new guy on now. Okay. Okay, and I'm watching him. And uh, he's got there at the local bar, you know, and uh, okay, here's, here's, you know, Bill from Itasca, and uh, Bill's got the bear shirt on, and, you know. Sure. And, uh, and uh, the, the new guy says, all right, uh, Bill's questions, and then Bill from Itasca, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, number one, the new guy, the new guy says, all right, these questions are all about George Hollis. Where did George Hollis uh, uh, go to college? And the guy goes, 
you and I. Oh, and you give him 10 bucks. He goes, all right, you want to go on? Yeah, yeah, I want to go on. It's beer, Mike. And 10, offer 20 bucks. Uh, did George Hollis ever play for the Chicago Bears? And the guy gave him this, like, look. Like, yeah, yeah, of course he did. Hey, ta-da, $20 more. Do you want to go for the $100 bill? And the guy goes, so the, the new guy on Beerman goes, what Major League Baseball team did George Hollis play on? The New York Yankees. Ta-da! There you go. All right. I understand there's like Valley Speak out in California. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, sometimes it comes through that. You know, E-11. Maybe I'm out of touch, Charlie. Here. Would, would you think it's, it's odd to have a guy, a guy in Chicago saying... George Hollis. I wouldn't have even gotten the first question because I wasn't sure who you were talking about when you said George Hollis. There used I, was, to be a I didn't know yeah. Mike Hollis. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars had Mike Hollis, right? Now, wasn't he a kicker? If this guy's from California and he grew up on the beach or, or down in the valley, San Fernando Valley. Well, if it, I don't care. That's how he speaks. Couldn't if if you're the producer for Beer Money, wouldn't you go? All right, stop the tape. Yes, immediately. Right, here, 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 uh, Joe, the new guy. Come here, man. Luke Stuckmeyer's. Hey, here's an idea. It's George Hallis. I don't care who. He, I don't care where he's from. If he follows sports, he would know the name Hallis. He's in Chicago. It doesn't matter. If he follows sports, he would know the name Hallis. So you're there's assume- not another person that knows sports in this country. But maybe that would he, call him Hallis. But maybe he that th- would call him Hallis. I'm sorry. Maybe he thinks he's saying Hallis, and that's just his. His quirky way and of speaking someone, from California. Can I say someone just slapped him upside the head, or well, is that wrong? Well, the producer should have stopped the Somebody tape. should have. Stop Kelly Crawl Kelly Kral should have threw a beer at him. <laughs> Jeez. Now you have little viewers. If beer money, if you if you're wrong, now everybody's going to watch beer money to see if this guy if they rerun that they show. Throw the beer, no, if you win, you get the ten bucks. If you're wrong, you throw the beer in your face. <laughs> twenty dollars, twenty. I put the whole bar throws beer in your face. Now you've got something. Now you got a show. Now we can take that to Hollywood with the Hollis. When we return, last to cover, we're going to spray it all fields. How would you say Hollywood? White Sox. White Sox. <laughs> Cubs. Bears. Hey, I even got a bulls note for Fred Blackhawks. Eddie Olchek coming next hour. How about the rookie scoring 29 the other day? Pat, then we're going to talk about and him. Zach Levine was awesome, too. I got a new nickname for the rookie. Splash. Okay. Splash. Ah, oh, this guy's on fire. Uh, Patrick Finley. 11 o'clock hour, Murph and Fred. Vote now, it is PN 1000. Crank it up, Eric! Live from the first Midwest Bank studios on State Street, you're listening to ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. Welcome back, hour number two. Murph and Fred, hope your Saturday's all right. And welcome back, Fred. Missed you last week, my friend. We've had some people wanted to double check on where they can uh, donate in uh, lovely Pat Hubner's uh, memory. You gave us that about an yeah, hour ago. Yeah, I'll give it to you again here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the averycoonley.org for the, um, it's A-V-E-R-Y-C-O-O. N-L-E-Y dot org slash donations. You go there and you can uh, find the Patricia Hubner Memorial Scholarship Fund. And uh, she loved that school. She loved yeah. helping out kids. And uh, it's a perfect way to do a little tribute for her. So Very nice. Very nice. 
Uh, tell you what, we got some uh, hot topics right now that we're looking like at. Like the store with those really cool t-shirts? The Twitter oh. poll. Twitter poll results. Yeah, see, the young people think I didn't know what hot topic was. See? I know, it's it's um, that's old man. Really. It's not hot take. No. Let the record hot show topic. we don't do hot takes here. No. But we have done uh, lukewarm takes and cold takes, mm-hmm. which we can revisit anytime. Uh, it's got some Twitter poll action there for us, uh, EO11, Eric Ostrowski. Yeah, we got them coming in. Points are rolling in. All right, and I saw you uh, talking to some of the uh, fans. Uh, oh, yeah, the- so a caller during the break called me, and he said not only was during that Beer Money show, was he saying uh, Hollis? George Hollis. Hollis, <laughs> but he said Bruce, I'm trying to say Bruce Sutter. It's hard for me to even say it incorrectly. It is, it is hard to say <laughs> yeah, incorrectly. He was saying Bruce Sutter as opposed to Sutter. Well, think is, about uh, it. The well, wine the wine is Sutter Home, yes, and it's it spelled the same right. way. See, we don't know if that's what they call an affectation. I don't or know what that he, means. Well, like I, didn't, the, I didn't finish. Well, I went to Morton East, but I didn't. Well, I, didn't well, I went through SIU, but it didn't go through <laughs> me. I know what you're saying. So uh, maybe he'd think, see, I don't know if he didn't know it's George Hallis or if it was just a funny speech thing that's Hollis because he's from uh, the Valley. and Or there are Sutters and Sutters. So maybe well, the Blackhawks. All, all, the, all the hockey. Oh, all yeah. the hockey the, they were all the Sutter the brothers. brothers. Oh, yeah. But it was spelled the same way as Bruce Sutter. Oh, and the wine. Like yeah. were, so, so I don't know. Oh. But that's in, you, you're a sports guy. You can't be forgiven. You, you, you got to take the blame on that. That wasn't the guy himself from Beer Money that called, was it? <laughs> if it was, he told on himself. So <laughs> Maybe he wants to, you know, just... Brutally it, honest if it yes, is him. That would be good. Maybe he's, he had to get it off his chest because probably people have been yelling at him. Paul question. Well, the producer might have been the first one that should have, like you said. Should uh, have, but apparently yeah. didn't. Well, maybe he didn't know. He either. was probably drinking the beer. Yeah. I like the beer in the face if you're wrong. Then it's the offset the $10 you just sure. won. Uh, let the record show if they do that, the friend gets all the re- extra residuals. It was his idea. <laughs> all right. Uh, how'd the fans vote uh, on this? Uh, are you optimistic that the Bears can reach the Super Bowl? Yes or no? And number two, sort of dovetailed, if the Bears lose tomorrow, Will you be optimistic that the Bears can reach the Super Bowl? I would think that uh, these responses should be quite a bit different, but uh, maybe not. Uh, number one, uh, Eric Ostrowski, uh, will uh, you still be the Bears fans uh, voted? Will you still be optimistic that they can reach the su- Are you right now still optimistic they can reach the Super Bowl? All right, so right now, 66% of the voters are not optimistic the Bears are going to make the Super Bowl huh. currently right now. Okay. Well, this doesn't, this doesn't bode well for number two. So 33 uh, are saying yes, still optimistic today, 66 no, correct? That's where we're at? Yeah, right. All right, so then the uh, follow-up, if the Bears lose tomorrow, will you be optimistic that they can reach the Super Bowl? This is going to drop dramatically now. This is going to go to about from 33 yes to 16% yes. Uh, so 92% oh my God. say they lose to the Saints tomorrow. No, they are not optimistic the Bears will make the Super Bowl. That would mean 8% will you, still be hanging in there. Do you think that's because the Saints are coming in without Breeze, Kamara, and Cook? Or do you think it doesn't matter just if the Bears lost no matter what happened? Because a lot of people say, with those three out, and you're at home, and you've had two weeks off, you should be able to beat, you know, a team. Uh, 
especially, you know, that's beat up as much as they are. So I'm not sure because... I don't even know if it's that as much as you'll be 3-3 three and three in a division that looks like 500 ain't going to help you. 8-8, eight and eight, you know? Well, it's... You also have... But see, uh, tomorrow you've got two of the teams play each other. Yes, they so do. Some, well, I was going to say someone's going to lose. Unless they but tie. They, unless they tie. Detroit's good at that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I got a feeling this this division's not going not gonna to be won by a team that's got <laughs> one or two or three losses. I think they're going to have four or five, maybe even uh, six might be uh, six or seven. Uh, ties, are, ties are so goofy in the NFL standings, aren't they? They're worth half a win. Right. Right, Jim Hendry. I remember I saw Jim Hendry, uh, you know, ex Cubs uh, general manager, and the Cubs had lost about five in a row or something. And I see him after the game; he's walking to his car. So, hey, Jim, he says, you know, he says they're really, really behind me around here, win or tie. <laughs> <laughs> next, yeah. next is uh, how much pressure, multiple choice, how much pressure does Theo Epstein feel right now? A ton of pressure, lots of pressure, some pressure, or zero pressure. Uh, Fred, did uh, you want to vote on that as a, a, a non, uh, as an unobject, as an now, objective, I'm sorry, objective was the way, outsider? Was the way you questioned it, was said it again, yeah. was it how much does he feel? Yeah. How much pressure does he feel, you know, right now? Is, okay. is he having trouble well, sleeping? People will get aggravated because I say this, but I say, in my opinion, yeah. Theo feels no pressure. Yeah, the answer is obviously zero. <laughs> it's none. Right. EO, because it doesn't matter. No. Well, in the we, long run, it doesn't matter. He's got eight years under his belt. The first five years were $25 million, five times five. Now it's $10 million times five. Yep. So he will end up banking $75 million. He's got $20 million still coming. By the way, Jim, I mean, uh, Jim Henry. Uh, Tom, you pressure when, you're, when, you, when, you, when you need the job, you need the money, and you're working your tail off to get better. When, I want, I want uh, my general manager... Would someone tell Murph that that Jed Hoyer is the general manager? Get out of here! What was the phrase you used? Someone should slap him upside the head? Yeah. I I, I don't hear that enough. I don't say that very often. I don't hear that enough anymore. Well, come on. When we were younger, we get slapped (laughs) upside the head. My my, my mom would tell my dad once in a while, don't hit him in the head. I I looked. I go, he can hit me anywhere else. That's fine. How would you like to hold hold those thoughts? And then EO11, I want to know your vote before we find out what the fans voted. So... You're Tom Ricketts, right? So you still you owe Theo twenty million still, all right? You owe well, Joe's off the books. You owe Jason Hayward eighty eight million still, uh-huh. and John Lester, and God love him. You know how much you want to take a wild guess? I had to look this up. I'm not trying to stump you. Yeah, I have no idea. All right, they owe twenty million this year, but then next year it's his option, well, right? Yes. <laughs> If they don't want him back in 2021, they got to pay him $10 million. Okay. So that means they got to pay him 20 now and 10 more. If they opted to keep him, it'd be $35 million in 2021. I can't wait for that Pakota prediction. So they, he owes Theo Especially $20 if million. And Lester he owes Hayward $88 million, he being Tom Ricketts. And he owes uh, John Lester $30 million. Let me just do that. Eight, ten. Let's uh, let's round it up. One hundred forty million dollars he owes to Theo Hayward and Lester right now. 
He bought the team for $850 million. Yeah. That's like a third of the Yeah, but the price. team's worth $3.2 billion now. So that $800 million's nothing anymore. That no, doesn't matter. Only if someone will give you that money. Well, you <laughs> they would if that was on the market. Well, $3.5 billion? I don't That's know if they would. That's what Forbes had it listed as, yeah. yeah. I don't know if they would. I don't know if there's one person out there that would. Now, he's that. a bad example because he's already, you know, yeah. got the TD Ameritrade, which plummeted 25% one day recently. But see, and no one wants to hear this, but like the McCaskey family, Eric, the Bears are worth, what? Same thing from Forbes, $2 billion? Probably a little more, but oh, I'd have to look oh, it yeah, up. Yeah. Just round numbers. Now, no one wants to hear this, but see, the McCaskey's family is not worth $2 billion until, like Fred said, until they sell Until someone, yeah. Now, you can go to the bank, I would imagine, and, and get a pretty say, good loan. Yeah, exactly. They're worth $2.85 billion. Okay, uh, $2.85. has got a structured settlement. Like, you win the lotto, and, they, and they, someone will give you, well, here's half the money now, and then we get the rest in the end. So, okay. But it's a lot of money to be owing three people, $140 million. Yeah. Well, it's okay. only money. Yeah. All right. How you did know. you vote to yourself there, Eric Ostrowski? How much pressure does Theo feel right now? A ton? A lot? Some? Zero. I feel like he has to be feeling the pressure because he struck out the last two off seasons in his acquisitions. So I feel like he knows uh, that this roster isn't what it's supposed to be. I think the Starbucks goes down just as <laughs> yeah, nice as I'm it sure. did. Just as nice as it did the first time he walked over there before he had the job. Same, right. It tastes just as good. All right, let me rephrase it. Unless it, he gets a pumpkin good, spice, then not so much. Good point, Eric. Fred, let, let's let's rephrase it. Does does Theo feel more pressure now? Or did he feel more pressure his first year as GM with the Boston Red Sox 20 years, 18 years ago? Hmm. Well, see, that's an either or. So I'd have to say he feels more pressure with than when he got to Boston. Well, no, I won't make it either or. Does he feel more pressure now, yes or no, than he did his first year as a GM back with the Red Sox? Of course he felt more pressure then. It was his first job, right. his first year. Right, he's sure. got a lot to prove still. Oh, yeah. Now they've everybody already says. He doesn't says, have $75 million in the bank. Do, do general managers, I mean, do general managers or VPs have to be out of a job for five years before they get elected into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. No, Only the players I, yeah, do. I don't think so. Only the players do. Something's wrong with that. You know, I wasn't going to do this right now. Yeah, anybody here? But Wait, I someone asked me. You mentioned it. So uh, someone asked me. They go, "We going to talk any Bulls today?" They do start the season this week. We're going to get to Bulls. Yeah, we got some stuff. Who asked After you that? So, just a fan. Next door neighbor? No, just a fan. Jerry Reinsdorf. I told them. I said we're going to talk Bulls. Johnny Paxson. Are you kidding me? Uh huh. I, I sat and watched the game the other day. Had it out last night. DVR'd it. Let me tell you, this number one pick. He can White play, man. Kobe White. He can play. Last, not last night. And I like that he's coming last, off the bench. Two games ago. Yeah. Two games ago? Yeah. The Friday game, number E11, we mentioned it last Saturday. Fred, you know, of course, not with us yeah. last Saturday. The guy, every shot he took, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Every shot he took touched no rim. That's pretty good. He had like six threes. Yeah. This is a week ago right. yesterday. Right. I remember. And he drove a couple times, banked, boom, right in, you know, off the glass. Yeah. With, and then the last game, I was in and out of it. Yeah. He was six for eight from threes, I want to say. Yep. Fred? He was good. He, Real good. None of those six threes touched rim. Yeah. 
Now, he was three for 30 in the, uh, what do they call it, a summer league, uh, you know, the, uh, That's fine. He had the to NBA? Get, he had to get the hang of playing in the NBA. He was three for 30 from playing against uh, older guys. From uh, three point range. That's okay. I'll figure it out. He touches no rim. They'll figure it out. He'll be fine. They're gonna they're gonna be a fun team to watch. I know they were talking yesterday on the Waddle and Sylvie show there that they're going to be they can put um, billboards up that this year they're the watchables. I like it because they're watchable this year. And then uh, Mark Gian Greco, he's a funny guy, and he said, uh, "I like Mark." He said, "Someone will spray paint almost mm-hmm. <laughs> the almost watchables." Come on, Mark. Did you know when Give Mark, him a break? Did you know when? Uh, Mark started in TV in Louisville. That's how you pronounce it if you're in Louisville. If you're in Louisville, Doug Buffon taught me that. Louisville. Yep. Uh, he was Mark Greco. Oh, yeah? Because yeah. they don't, yeah. I don't know, the station manager, or if it was a, it's a president, yeah, you know, down here, I think, and, you know, it's Louisville. <laughs> I mean, Mark Greco. I love to ask Mark if it was his idea or to, I'm guessing station manager. Probably. Sometimes as long as they, they spelled it right on the checks. They didn't have direct deposit back then. Uh-oh. We opened the go. We opened the door. Yes, I, I did. You opened the door for C. Red Fred. Oh, <laughs> right. We're talking bulls. I can't believe it. Hey, how, did, and, morning, brother. Hey, am I right? This guy, the new guy, uh, Kobe White. I'm nicknaming naming him Splash because all it does is hit the net. Have you seen this? He never hits the never hits the rim. Guys, it's incredible. He shot th- about thirty six percent from three in college. And I didn't expect him to really bring the shooting this year. But you know what What I read about this kid? He's the last one to leave at practice. He goes there sometimes at 8 o'clock at night. He puts in the effort. He's 19 years old. He's only going to continue to get better. And the sky is the limit for the Red Leviathan. Everybody's got to get on board here. Guys, I got some stats for you. Did you know last year, here are the top guys for the Bulls in games played. Are you ready? The top six guys. All right. Ryan A., Robin Lopez, Shaq Harrison, Zach Levine, Felicio, Blakeney. Those were the top six guys in games played. If we replace five of those stiffs, well, well four of them, Ryan's pretty Right, good. he's with, still there, yeah. Yeah, with Dad Young, you know, think about it. Otto Porter Jr., Laurie Markkinen, this team's going to double its win total. We're going to be 43 wins this year. The seventh pick in 2017, seventh and 18, seventh and 19, seventh seed this year, and seventh title in 2021. You heard it from me. We're going to do it, guys. See, Red Fred, let me ask you quick. So the uh, the starting yeah. point guard is uh, Thomas Sadoransky. I like this oh. guy. I don't know much about him. Uh, 30 seconds or less. Tell me quick about the point guard. The most important thing about Sadoransky, he shoots 40% from three-point range, which is stellar. He can do it all. He handles the ball fantastic. I got to witness some practice a week and a half ago. Every time this kid was out in the floor, the team played better. It, what an addition. Our shooting is significantly better. We're going to create uh, runways for Zach, Le- Zach Levine, which will result in an all-star game appearance for Zach Levine. I'm telling you, the sky's the limit. Oh, the well, sun it, is in the air. It's it, burning up the east. See, I Red, can't wait. Let's go for it. See, Red Fred, i got to ask you one question before you go. Sure. You just said you had a chance to witness practice, and let me ask you a question. How did you get into practice? Were you one of those guys who, like, wore a delivery outfit and just, like, <laughs> snuck in with the water or something? What did you, how did you, you get to witness a practice? <laughs> 
Well, I was lucky. I, I know a season ticket holder, and they opened up a practice at the United Center for about 100 people. Cool. Or maybe it was more than that. So I got yeah. to witness the entire practice. Let me tell you, I was so impressed with Boylan. I, I know people like to p- portray him as a wandering idiot. The guy's a smart guy. Sure. He's, he, he, he's, a, he's inspirational. He's a combination of Mike Ditka and, all, and everything else great about sport. And Craig Popovich. I love this guy. Chicago, get on the big red bus before it passes you by. I'm tired of the negativity about the Bulls. We got to celebrate this team. We're going to win 43 games. We're going to the playoffs, and we're winning it all next year. You guys are music to my ears. Fun again. Thanks, Fred. Talk to you later. See Red Fred. You don't have to tell See Red Fred to phone again. Now you have to sneak in or know somebody. They used to have practice at a place called Angel Guardian. Yeah. Up on Ridge Road around 6600 North. Uh-huh. And uh, wide open, you'd walk in there, there'd be like 10 fans because the, the Bulls were so bad. They had just drafted number one. They had a high number one pick. They drafted a guard named Ronnie Lester. Yep. Remember his name? Sure do. It might have been from Iowa or somewhere. Yep. I'm not Iowa. sure. And uh, so it was the first day of practice, and I... Drive over there and you know, park there and you walk. It's like a li- it's like a little cruddy, like grade school gym. You know, it's Angel Guardian back then. It was, called. and I walked in and I don't know some Bears executive was standing there and and uh, I, I said I, I'm just standing there. Bulls, just a, Bulls executive. Bulls guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. And uh, I said, Ronnie, you know, I'm not in radio and I think just yeah. uh, just a fan. I said, uh, Ronnie uh, Lester, uh, you know, here to dress to his less. And he goes, it's a bad knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, and it continued, and it continued throughout they his career. They just drafted him in the first round high. Yeah, yeah, he could play. Oh, really quickly, since we mentioned the Bulls, yeah. and I didn't do this on purpose, but uh, one of the things for those people who did come out to uh, my wife's services and visitation the other day, I guess they now say visitation is a nicer word than wake. Um, but when they came out there, I had put together a little uh, a piece of paper and I wrote a bunch of things on it. But I mentioned the very first date we went on. And uh, we, I took my wife, after I had met her, I, I asked her on a date. And we went to the Bulls game. And my buddy Bob Liptek and I, and he has passed, so they're right now celebrating up there. Um, we had seats, season tickets, first row, first balcony at the old Chicago Stadium. And I take her to a Bulls game. And it's, yeah, yeah, we're, I'm old. And she forgot her glasses. And she said the only thing she could see, she told me this like a weeks later. She goes, the only thing I could see was Artist Gilmore's feet because they were so big. I said, yeah. you mean the seven foot three guy with the big afro? The only thing you could see was his feet. Yeah. She said, yeah, that was it. I said, okay, well. And then Sylvie read that when he came to the visitation the other day. He said, we have something in common because he took his lovely wife when they were going out on their first date to a Bulls game. So. It all comes around. You go to a Bulls game and you're going to marry that lady. Did she bring her glasses? I don't think his wife wears glasses. So, Speaking of uh, seeing artists, Pat could see his feet. His feet, yeah. Had to be probably 16. Athlete's feet, you know. uh, I'm driving on the Kennedy. Outbound near the uh, Edens uh, split there. Maybe just into the uh, north on the Edens. Back and, when, and I look over to my right this time, and there's a 280Z. Remember those dots and sure 280Zs? Do. Sure do. They were real hot cars, but they were tiny. Yeah. I look over at the driver, and all I can see is his knees. Uh-huh. It's Artis Gilmore. Oh, he had to be sitting in the back seat. No, well, I don't know. He was easily <laughs> what? He was every bit of seven, seven feet. Se- yeah, seven one, more. yeah, seven foot seven one, yeah. something like that. Yeah. You ever hear the 280Z, Eric? Ever hear of a, it was a it was a sports car? Yep. 
of it now would be Nissan. It's called Datsun. I know Datsun, but I don't know that, that actual make. Oh, pull up that picture. Datsun 280Z. It was sort of like a poor man's uh, Corvette. You yeah. know, not a car guy. You know, I'm not Paul Bryan. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I went to grade school, high school, It Paul looks a Bryan. lot like the old Porsches. You're right. But, yeah. Now, imagine if you're seven. How could he fit in he, that? No. I'm just processing oh, it. Yeah. I saw, I'm serious. <laughs> I saw his knees because his knees were up by his ears. Yeah, I can see yeah, why. Yeah, I look over and started as Gilmore. It's oh, like yeah. the Shaq commercials in, like, that Kia. He's like, I'm comfortable. I'm right. like, no, you're not. No, yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> No, but they paid him to say he's comfortable in the Kia. So he said, okay, I'm comfortable in the Kia. Shaq is like one of the, people don't even realize it, but Shaq's one of the best businessmen around. Oh. He's trying to he's trying to follow in the footsteps of Irvin Magic Johnson. That's so funny. Because he's, he's, a, he's a part owner of, uh, you know, he's got a lot of Jimmy Johns. He's got a lot, not Jimmy Johns. He's got a lot of five guys. Papa. And Papa Johns. Yeah. yeah. So along with a lot of other things, he's got his hands in. Miss Little, Miss a lot. Well, he's got-, got TBS paying him. When did when did we get this uh, Rick Sutcliffe cut originally, Eric? I went. I spent about an hour at home the other day going through finding. Uh, I finally found the date and the time, you know, so we could recapture it. When was this from? Uh, back in July, Eric. It looks like it was the last week in July. Okay, so I had uh, July whatever written down, and uh, four fifty-two in the afternoon. And we played it once, Fred, maybe. You'll remember when you hear yeah. it. Or we'd had this back in, uh, you know, late July. And it was just a funny story that Rick Sutcliffe told. Uh, he told it, a, it was something about uh, David Ross. Okay. And David Ross played two years with the Cubs, 2015 and 2016. Sutcliffe, of course, uh, uh, has been for, I think, since... Tom Ricketts took over, invited every year to spring training in uniform, work with some of the young pitchers, and like an ambassador, and you know, all that stuff. So, Rick Sutcliffe evidently was at one of the backfields, as they call it, at spring training, and the Cubs, this was 2015 spring training. Right. David Ross had just, you know, one of his first days with his new teammates, way before the games begin in spring training, and Stalin Castro was still, was on the team, Right. Okay, I'll let Rick Sutcliffe tell his story. And why am I playing this? Because this is why David Ross is probably going to get the job. Sut? We go over to the to big stadium, and we're going to do rundowns and cutoffs and relays, and the games are going to start in a couple of days. And I'm going to mention his name. I don't care. Um, Starlin Castro. You know, he was our three-, four-, five-time All-Star. He was the guy that was kind of the leader up till that point. And Castro's doing Castro's things on these rundowns, and he's just, he's, just, he's just making a mess of it. Rossi takes off his mask, he fires it at the ground, and he gets in Castro's face. That, you know what? That's why you guys lose here. That's why that, you don't win championships like that. And basically ran him back to the clubhouse. And I am telling you, as, as, as you guys know, I mean, that set the tone for the rest of spring training. Uh, you can have fun in the clubhouse, you can have fun after, but when it's time to work, uh, Rossi made sure that everybody knew that uh, that's what we are going to do. So- I wanted to play that. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone's quite, you know, rookie manager, was it going to be nice to Rizzo and nice to Bryant? That story right there is classic. Well, and what and will happen is, even if, you know, they are buddies and pals because they played on the same team and they won the World Series and everything like that, they also know they were there for that. So they know what kind of guy Ross is. And he called out guys. He called out Rizzo been in the past, and Anthony Rizzo had mentioned it, and... You know, that's that's one of the reasons, like you said, why he will probably get the job. And that's fine. If you if you can 
make them concentrate a little bit more and not make so many outs in the bases and keep their head in the game and not do silly things that you're just doing that. You're going to improve your record. You're going to win more games because you don't do stupid things on the base paths. That cut right there across from the Waddle and Marco show. (laughs) Back in a flash. Eddie Olchek next. Edzo joins us. I want to hear all about his uh, supposed to be fabulous new book, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life. Uh, Top of the hour, Patrick Finley, Bears guy, sometimes busy day. We're halfway home. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. One minute away from Eddie Olchek. Uh, so, Fred, watching the Hawks last night and uh, in and out, watching the ball game. Uh-huh. And, uh, I had them both on. I had the, the picture in picture. I can split it to have two TVs. Wow, That's you're, pretty cool. You're pretty high. High tech, yeah. High tech, my friend. Yeah, pretty nice. So, uh, I, I get in uh, late in the first period at 0-0, and I hear the great Pat Foley say, after being outplayed, uh, by, uh, it's almost incredible that the Hawks are now ahead one to nothing. <laughs> oh man, it's a great view. That, that's that's a uh, and uh, then so that, that that one to nothing. Then I, and then it's two to one. Uh, the jackets they, they call them the jackets. You know the jackets like uh, blue jackets. I couldn't believe how how many players they lost. I mean uh, Eddie always breaking it down before the game. Uh. All the different players that they lost from last year's team. Then the power play. This was the cat. You know, DeBrinket. Yep. They played tic-tac-toe with the triangle. Uh, Gustafson into Kane over to DeBrinket. A one-timer! And then uh, overtime, they're just about, what, 45 seconds in. And uh, first Taves blocked a shot. The puck kicked around. And then Kane shoots, rebounds off Taves. And... Uh, uh, GWG. You ever hear that? Yep. Game winning goal. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Let's bring in our buddy. He's going to be, if you're anywhere near Schaumburg, I don't care maybe if you're not near Schaumburg, go visit Eddie Olchek noon today at Costco. Did you ever notice no one pronounces the T? It's Costco. No, right? nobody does. C-O-S-T-C-O. Mm-hmm. They say Costco. Costco. Yep. Noon today, Costco book signing in Schaumburg. Let's bring in the one, the only. Game winning. He's a game winning goal himself, and we appreciate the busy time. He's got a great new book out. He'll be signing, beating the odds in hockey and in life. Now visiting with Murph and Fred. Good morning, Eddie. Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. Nice to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Boy, oh, boy, I heard Jesse earlier. Is he a Remax, uh, Remax realtor? I mean, he's sitting there huh. and Jed's with a $3 million house. I mean, he's doing it all, or the little guys doing it all. Yeah, I think I think, uh, I think Jesse got some commission on that. So, yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me, boys. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, big win. Last night for the Hawks, points in three straight games in the uh, the GWG in OT. Murph, oh, okay, you got it, you got it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and Eddie, I got to tell you, you know, with 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 football and all this Cubs stuff yeah. going on in the baseball yeah. playoffs, I had no idea the Jackets came in with all. Yeah. They lost all those guys beforehand. I'm yeah. watching your pre right before the start, and I go, yeah, you know, everybody's gone, and but they put up a fight. They played really well, and the Hawks were Hawks were struggling most of that game. Yeah, it was one of those games where you needed your goaltender and, and Robin Leonard, one of the many pickups by general manager Stan Bowman. Fred, over the course of the summer, uh, came in from the New York Islanders on a one-year contract. And uh, he, I mean, he played really well. And yep. the Jackets, look, I mean, they 
they went for it last year. Like they had uh, the bread man was there. Artemi Panarin, former Blackhawk, was there. His contract was expiring. Same with their goaltender and a couple of other guys that they brought in. And, and they went for it and said, look, you know, we're going to take our chances. And, I mean, unfortunately for them, they lost in, in round two. But, you know, I, I think the, the lunch pail mentality, and I still think, there's that uh, feeling out there is that when you when you play the Hawks is that if if, if you play an easy game or uh, you play on your heels, uh, they have the talent as we saw last night on that uh, overtime winner or the power play with Kane to the cat Alex Trinket you said Murph yep. um, they're they're going to embarrass you so you know you have to play. You know, teams try to play a pressure game, a skating game, because that's what the National Hockey League is now, is a yep. skating game. And look for, for good stretches. Last night, uh, the uh, the Blue Jackets had, you know, they had their chances. And, and territorial-wise or analytic-wise, the numbers would say is that, you know, the, the rink was tilted for a lot of that game. <laughs> but uh, you, uh. they found a way to win. They found, they found a way to win a game. And uh, that's a, a really good confidence booster considering – this heavy home schedule uh, that they've had here to play, I think, eight of their first ten or eight of their first nine, if you take the game uh, that they started the season in Prague out of it. So a, a good win last night, and now you got the Capitals at the United Center oh. tomorrow night, and then you got Vegas on Tuesday. So some uh, pretty good opponents coming to the United Center. Chicago native, Chicago guy, Eddie Olchek. He's got the book, the new book. I heard you with Cap. It was just fascinating. Uh, radio, miss a little, miss a lot. Uh, you and David uh, earlier this week. Book signing if you're anywhere near Schaumburg, noon today at the uh, Costco. Eddie, I heard you and I compelling listening to you and, and Cap. You, you talked about uh, and your book uh, is titled Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life. I'm sorry. The thing that, you know, a million people probably say, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. <laughs> when are you going to write a book? And and you explained to Cap but the thing that really caught my attention also was people have told you over your life, Chicago guy, no, you won't be able to do that. No, you can't. You'll never be able to play hockey you're not canadian no you'll never be a tv guy those have to be canadian guys and cancer well you know what i don't know you know you may not be able to to beat this one when did it start in your young life you were five years old ten years old your father your family where'd you get that thing that don't tell me no yeah well you know what murph i i think for me it was uh i i had a lot of discipline at home, and I think I learned uh, right from wrong. I mean, look, pl- plenty of blemishes on my resume, and, and you, you know, you live and learn, right? Like you, everybody, that's what life is. Life is not easy. I don't care where you are, where you grow up, uh, what you have, what you don't have. Life, life is it is a battle, and I think for me, it was I, I had goals set very early in my life, and I wasn't going to live my life as a young kid. And I, I, again, I know I learned this from from my mom and dad who are still with us that. You know, I, they taught me somehow, and I, and I absorbed it. Was look like just you know, don't live your life wishing you would have done something down the road. So whether it was you know, working a little extra harder after school to shoot pucks or go to the rink and skate instead of you know sitting around and and doing whatever. You know, I just I just I just had that entrenched in me as, as a young man, and I had a guy I had a gift. It was a God given gift. I, I know that, and I wasn't gonna. 
I wasn't going to miss that opportunity. And look, I had plenty of people that helped me along the way. And look, it's not easy. You got to have discipline. You got to have structure in your life. And for me, I was very blessed to uh, to have the opportunity. And you're right. I mean, I had a lot of those obstacles, as we all do, is, you know, where people, maybe a door closes and another one opens and then it closes again. It's just, okay, well, how, you know, how do you react to that adversity? So for me, you know, my whole life, I just have had people say, you know, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden I had the biggest challenge. And obviously, Freddie, I'm thinking about you and, 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 and Pat, and, and I'm so sorry. And, uh, you know, we're thinking about you and praying for you. And, you know, the battle, not only for the person that is going through the disease and happened to be cancer and, and, and the same with myself, but, you know, it's also those caretakers and caregivers that we have to, to look after. And, and I think, for me, the deciding factor on, on the decision to write the book, and, and some of my, I say former friends now because all they do is like the bus chops, is, uh, are there any are there any crayons with that book, Murph? No, there are no crayons with this book. Yeah, you stole that here, line so. from Pat last night. I, I was watching. <laughs> you know, so, but look, I mean, like, so it was like, okay, well, you know, I had a battle, and, and how can I, as somebody so-called in the public eye, and have a a platform to sit there and, and, and maybe help somebody. Maybe if somebody sees my story or knows my story a little bit more, and my family obviously there at ESPN 1000 and, and being a part of, of your guys' family and, and getting a chance to get on the air and, and just talk. And, hey, if it's one person that maybe gets in there and has been putting off getting a colonoscopy, they've been putting it off for months or years and say, you know what, gosh, if – a guy like Eddie Olchek can get it, um, the disease. Well, you know what? Like, I better get in there and, and, and be proactive or help somebody get through those battles. And Freddie, you lived it, you yeah. know? And, and, it, and that's something that I'm hoping with the dialogue and the book is that uh, I can inspire one person to either stay away from it, to help them get through it, um, or help them just get through the day. And at the end of the day, three things I'm hoping to accomplish, Murph and Fred is one is I'm hoping uh, with the book, I'm hoping is that you'll laugh. Two is, uh, you know, you'll shed a tear. And three is I hope uh, you'll love a little bit more. And what I mean by that is that when I was going through my cancer battle, I, I didn't know what was going to happen on the other end. They told me, you have stage three colon cancer, six months of chemo, and then we will reassess from there. And when I, when I heard that word and they told me that you have cancer, it's like, okay, well, I think the reality for most people is, is, well, how much longer do I have? Right. And when I'm in the middle of it, and my second treatment was the worst, and I talk about it in the book, is just I was ready to quit. And Murph and Fred, I've never quit anything in my life, ever. Whether I was down 7-1 in a hockey game on the ice, 7-1 standing behind a bench coaching with the Pittsburgh Penguins, or I was I was down $25 that, okay, let me tell you, I was down $2,500 <laughs> at the racetrack. I was never, I was never, I was never going to quit, yeah. right? But... The the, the 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 journey, the chemo, the diagnosis, it broke me down in treatment, too. The side effects that I had, uh, I, I was like, how am I going to get through today, let alone get through six more months, and how in the hell do I know what's on the other side? And my wife, Diana, pretty much grabbed me, and she just said, you got to fight. you got to fight for me, you got to fight for our kids, and you got to fight for all the people that love you. And I was at peace, guys. I really was going through this because the most important people in my life knew how, how I felt about them. And I was at peace. And look, at the end of the six months, if they told me, okay, Edzo, that's it. Thank you. You know, and yeah. a lot of reflection. You get a lot of quiet time the last year of lifetime, right, Freddie? I mean, you oh, know yeah. that better than anybody. And I just said, you know what, look, I'm at peace. And I think that helped me. And uh, I've always let those people most, most important in my life 
to let them know because look at we're all day to day in the big picture and uh, i'm hoping people can look at that and i think we could use a little bit more love in this society that we live in and, and hopefully if i can help one person guys then it was well worth the 16 months mm. of pen to paper you know a lot of times people eddie they'll talk about how you um how anybody with cancer they say man you're fighting so hard you're doing this and this. there's no there's no other way to do it i mean no you're right. not you're not going to give up you know but right. there were numerous times and like you were saying there were times my wife had told me she goes i'm done i've had yeah. enough this is crazy right. but then right. she'd well, always that, and say that's where you come yeah that's yep. where you come in freddie right and yep. that's something that my wife and i really try to um to spread the word is that you know we we as a society and again i mean being right in the middle of a battle and, and the one being sick um is we need to make sure we are taking care of the caretakers and caregivers out there because you you are going through a lot, maybe not physically, but certainly the mental part. I never saw my wife down. I never saw my wife weak. Mm-hmm. I never saw her worried, but I knew on the inside, and I knew when I was living in our basement for 17 hours a day for six-plus months, I knew she, I knew she would let her guard down, and I'm sure she you know, was wondering, and Freddie, you know that better than anybody, and yeah. that's, we have to make sure that we're reaching out and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? You know, can we go for lunch? How about a text? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that goes for employers, too. Look, I I need to say this, is that, like, the Blackhawks, they were absolutely incredible. I mean, Rocky Wirtz, John McDonough, Jay Blunk, like, they, look at, like, they were, I mean, the best employer that I could ever have dreamed of having in my battle. And, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, employers out there are compassionate and understand that sometimes, you know what? It's it you know they can't come to work or right. the people that are the caretakers say you know what I need a day to spend with my significant other and uh, there's just so many layers here and I hope that if people do get the opportunity to hear about the book or hear my story with you guys and again I'm appreciative for you guys of having me on your terrific show and I've been a fan a long time and Thank I listen you. all the time when I'm working out but I, I just hope that I can I can inspire and we need to make sure that we're taking care of those caretakers and caregivers because uh, I had a lot of them and uh, we need to make sure that, uh, that we're making sure they're okay too during this incredible battle. You know, I, I done a lot of things. I used to work at a tile factory. I worked at sports phone way back in the day. I yeah. worked weird, weird hours <laughs> and weird shifts and all that stuff. There is no job tougher than being a caregiver, especially yeah. for a spouse. It's like, it's unbelievable. So yeah, well, kudos, you know kudos to your wife for helping you. Yeah, a tip of the hockey helmet to all those caretakers and caregivers and a lot of hugs right back at you, Freddie. And oh by the way, you're talking about sports phone, that reminds me. I think it was back in seventy or I think it was back in seventy seven. I called sports phone to try to get the score of the Hawks Golden Seals game and it got cut off. I want my forty cents back. There you go. <laughs> Next time I see you, I'll give it to you. Not, no interest though. It's just the forty cents. Uh, that that wasn't Fred. That was either George Hoffman or Jeff Joniak. <laughs> well, you know hey, you know you're not gonna get it from Hoffman, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. Not from George. It's not just a, a book for hockey fans, as you obviously have just realized if you didn't. Uh, Eddie Olchuk beating the odds in hockey and in life. And at noon today, that's just a little over an hour from now, signing uh, at Costco in Schaumburg. Stop by and see Eddie. Uh, Eddie, before you, you run here, I have a quick, if you could pass a, a complimentary uh, a note over to uh, Pat Foley. You see him.
him from time to time. <laughs> Pat, about two years ago, I was at a game, and before the game, I was up there and uh, talking to Pat. We used to play softball against each other up at the Northfield uh, Winnetka uh, fast pitch softball. And hey, how you doing? And I said, you know, Pat, there's something that the great Lloyd Pettit used to say. And you know, Pat, no one loved Lloyd Pettit more than. Pat Foley, but we all loved Lloyd Pettit growing up because, yeah, what's that? Murph? I said, for, he used to have this one thing, like if it'd be four on four, you know, um, yeah. in the game, and, and then, then the, both, uh, the penalty would end. And then the both teams, the guy would, would jump out of the respective uh, penalty boxes, and uh, and Lloyd Pettit would say, "Both teams are back at full and equal strength." And Pat said, <laughs> "Yes." He says, and this was two years ago. He said, "I'm going to use that tonight," you know, and say, uh, and, "Well, I'm watching now. Maybe you're, uh, so." I watch Monday night, you guys. Third period yeah. this uh, uh, Monday night, yeah. three thirty nine mark, four on four. I'm watching. Of course, they uh, the penalties end both. Guys jump out of the penny box and bad fuck goes, both teams are back at full and equal strength. <laughs> Tell them I was listening and I loved it, would you? Uh, I, I will let him know, and uh, you'll get a uh, you'll get a kick out of it if he ever says, "Hey, we lose the fucking game of faceoff." Right? That was, that was my favorite. That was always. <laughs> I was just thinking that was my favorite one. Yeah. There was none better than that. Well, so, one yeah. pettit, and it doesn't happen much. Him a left and a left and another left and a right and a left. Butcher Watson and Bobby Hall. Hold me as a left and a right and a left. They don't do that much anymore, though, no, do they? not anymore. Not no. anymore. Just looking for pucks to go in the back of the net. That's, That's what right. It's all about That's right. Uh, a little... well, thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, Freddie was thinking thanks. about you, Paul. We'll talk to you soon, Eddie. Thanks, thanks. Eddie. Okay, guys. Have a great week. Uh, great, great day. Keep up the great work. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. Puck luck. Oh, man. A little puck luck in life. And on the uh, ice. Beating the odds in hockey and in life. And again, if you're out in the Schomburg area, noon signing with Eddie Olchek at Costco uh, this afternoon. And, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people turned up at his uh, signing the other day in Naperville. So uh, just, a, just a great, great guy, um, uh, Eddie Olchek. And uh, nice to see he's beat it. And uh, he's hoping that everybody else can do the same thing. A few minutes away from Bears football, Patrick Finley's son Times is going to call in. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. And Monahan is on it, along with Moe. Picked up by Dennis Hall. Dennis Hall back to Makita. Makita in front. A shot to go! Shot in the beer. We used to yell when we'd see Lloyd Pettit. Hey, shot in the beer! Shot in the goal. He was, was the, the best. And Pat oh. Foley right there alongside. Yep. And that's it. Well, Pat, of course, like we all did, grew up listening to the great Lloyd Pettit. Welcome back. Murph and Fred, uh, a few minutes away from oh, one of our favorite guys, does a great job talking bears, covering the bears, Patrick Finley. Here was a little, uh, my funniest uh, line of the uh, of the week. Uh-huh. Uh, our buddy Paul Sullivan okay. over at the uh, Tribune, and he has a piece here we might get to a little bit more in depth next week, if not later today. White Sox will have no money. Well, I'm sorry. White Sox will... They will have money. Excuse me. Yeah. Let me rewind here. White Sox will have money to spend this winter and no more excuses in the rebuild. And we touched on that a little last week, Fred, uh, after you know some of the stories surfaced. There sure. One guy down in the, uh, the old Miami, uh, Florida Marlins. But uh, so Sully's right, and he's, he's talking about... In the fine piece, general managers, and he's you know talking about Rick Hahn and and, and but here he goes. This is at the end. I thought Paul Sullivan is 
so creative and mm-hmm. he's so much fun. He goes, the, the old days when the general managers hired their old drinking buddies, you know. Yeah. Those days are long gone. Okay. But they've apparently been replaced now by the uh, uh, the uh, new days, not the old days. The new days of the general managers who now don't hire their old drinking buddies. They hire their old protein shake buddies. That's good. <laughs> and they're Starbucks buddies. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Look at the Theo Epstein. Again, they're nothing wrong. I remember when Dallas Green came in and all this. Nothing but Phillies because that's where he came from. Yep. And he was right. Yeah, Dallas Green brought in, you know, uh, J- uh, John Vukovic, the third base coach, Ruben Amaro, he, you know, and all the guys. Yeah. And, and uh, it worked. Yeah. And uh, Gordy Goldsberry, you know, the minor league. Sure. But so there's nothing wrong with it unless it ain't working and you do it for too long. Like Theo keeping his, what do they call protein shake buddy, <laughs> right? McLeod, Jason McLeod, for eight years when they ruined the organization. And nothing was developed or, uh, okay, he signed. Nobody was, no, but yeah, no Three international yeah. signings. Right, which were great. Which, but that's that's not the draft. No. Because you basically outbid everyone else to get Soler and Torres and Eloy. So, and I got to tell you, I got to give Jorge Soler credit. Yeah. I never thought he'd be able to do what he did. No. We saw the talent, but we thought uh, he was a dog. Oh, he yeah. was a dog when he played for the Cubs. He didn't hustle. He didn't run. So he what didn't happened? Do, he didn't do anything. So what happened? Well, someone got a burr up. Or huh? someone sat him down and said, listen, you got all the ability in the world, but if you don't watch it, you're going to be out of the league. Well, why didn't Theo tell him well, that? Well, somebody should have. Why didn't McLeod tell him that? Because right now. In other words, nothing happened until he left. Is that because what he got? Oh, he, I got traded. It's a wake-up call. I don't know what Maybe. Happened. That could be. Well, but maybe man, not. They could have given him the wake-up call here. Well, there you go. But they needed Wade Davis. Uh, well, they well, yeah, that's because they hadn't drafted and yeah. signed, drafted any pitching. Yeah. It's, the Cubs would still have Torres. They'd still have Eloy. And uh, if you want him or not, you now you'd want him Soler. But for two pitchers that they could have found in the uh, minor leagues and, and drafted. Uh-huh. Because you only needed one relief pitcher. Because two of those guys were traded for, like you said, Wade Davis and, right. and for Chapman. Yeah. And uh, the other uh, was traded for Quintana. So if you had one starting pitcher and one relief closer in eight years through the system, you probably could have figured it out. You could still have those three guys. Instead, you got nobody. Bears next. Hey, a lot of good Bears Twitter poll questions. Go now, vote now. We'll run those by our special guest, Patrick Finley, when we return. ESPN 1000. Might be a good day to get the sticks out. It's one of the last chances to have a beautiful golf. That's what I heard. Today and tomorrow. I gave it up four or five years ago. I had the best round of my life, and I said, I'm not playing anymore. Right. And the best round of my life wasn't that good, just so you know. It was, I, I wasn't <laughs> shooting in the 70s. Actually, it might have been that hot when I was it's, shooting. Yeah, I don't know. What's going to be today? Low 60s? Uh, mid-60s. 66 today. I left the shorts on. That's a front. I'm thinking, about, I'm thinking about doing the Yurko thing this year. Yeah. Shorts till, shorts till Thanksgiving. That's the front nine for me. Yeah. <laughs> shorts till Thanksgiving. Mid-60s. I'm thinking I think I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to work out. Remember it. what Jimmy Pearsall used to say to us about golf? Yeah. The more, the more you golf, the worse you get. The more you play, the worse you get. <laughs> and Jimmy would play a lot. Oh, I played with them once yeah. in uh, uh, Wheaton. There's a, a village uh, yeah. course in uh, Wheaton or Westmont. Westmont. Right yeah. there at Westmont on 63rd Street. Yeah. Would, yeah. And Dana, lovely Dana, I'd meet Jimmy over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, The more you play, the worse you get. Oh, my God. But 
that keeps you coming back, just like gambling. He made a couple, when he'd make a bad shot, you know what Jimmy would say? I can't. Can you say it on the air? Yeah, yeah. He'd go, come on, Anthony. <laughs> I didn't ask. I don't want to say no. No, oh, no. no. Let's not go there. Was it Anthony Perkins <laughs> who played him in the movie? Yeah. One minute it away was. from Patrick Finley talking bears from the Chicago Sun-Times. So, got a soundbite here, Fred. This was uh, Bears versus Oakland. This is uh, Stockton and, uh, what's his name, Stink? Yeah, Mike Schler, Stink. Mark Schler. Mark Schler, yeah, okay. right. And uh, uh, they're talking about Matt Nagy, and uh, uh, they have to run the ball more. No, this is mostly Stink talking, right? Okay, this was, uh, I think, in the first or second uh, quarter uh, versus Oakland uh, on Fox TV, uh, fellas. Well, Matt Nagy came here with a great reputation, quarterbacks coach and then offensive coordinator for Andy Reid in Kansas City, prolific offense, but they have yet to find their identity this year. They have it, and they have not run the ball well. They've had some plays that look like they could be breakouts, but part of this offense is to run that ball and get some of the play-action stuff off this unique sets and these unbalanced formations, and they haven't done that yet. Where are the unique sets, the unbalanced, and running the ball? Well, we got the right guy to ask. Murph and Fred, we say hello to Patrick Finley. He does a great job covering the Bears at the Sun-Times. Patrick? What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, Patrick. What's happening? We're doing great. You know, it's been 13 days since the last game. I'm trying to think, what can I ask Patrick that's new and fresh? When are they going to run the ball more? Oh, no, no. You've only heard that 13 times. You've heard that every day. But when are they going to run the ball better, Patrick? Uh, we've written that every day for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe my favorite stat, oh, and I don't have it in front of me, was do you know how many yards they would have to run for tomorrow just to get up to last year's average? Uh, it's no. like they would have to go. They would have to go for like two forty on the ground tomorrow just to get to where they were last season. And if you guys remember last season, we were screaming about them not being able to run the football. You know, to Schlereth's point, there you haven't seen any of the freewheeling fun that no. Nagy this year. No trick plays, no linemen catching passes, none of that sort of thing yet. Uh, I think you will kind of once they get their feet underneath them offensively, but you know they've got to do the basic things right before you can get too complicated. Patrick, if you have to give it, put the blame on one person. Who's to blame for the struggles on first down? Is it the running game? Is it the running backs? Is it the offensive line? Is it the quarterback? Or is it Matt Nagy? Yes, yes. <laughs> is that an answer? Just be saying yes. Nice. You no, know, it's a little bit nice. of everything. You, you know, go ahead. Yeah. You know, they put Kyle Long on, on IR this week, and I think every, you know, there are some Bears fans that sit there and go, well, we just, you know, okay, problem solved. We now have somebody who can go in and block better, but the guy who's going to take, take his place, Rashad Coward, who's played like 30 snaps ever on the offensive line in a real game. Right. Uh, so, you know, is it partially the offensive line's fault? Totally. Is it partially Matt Nagy's fault? Of course. He's the one calling the plays. You know, if Mitch Trubisky or Chase Daniel was a little more imposing, you know, if they if they were having better seasons, would you know defenses give them a little more on on first down, or, or would they have a more of an impact on first down? Of course, it's a little bit of everything. If there was one reason for this, they would have figured it out by now. Okay, <laughs> but, but you know, it's a room. You know, it's a room full of pretty smart coaches. But it's you know, it's six different factors and people not doing their jobs kind of across the board. There. 
So I hear uh, fans call in and commenting and hosts and all around Chicago, what's wrong with David Montgomery? You know, oh my gosh, uh, they traded up to get running back David Montgomery. Well, I watched the guy, he's got a nice little wiggle as we, as forecast, uh, you know, no one ever brings him down one-on-one, it seems. He led, what, NCAA two years in a row in breaking tackles or whatever the stat was. He doesn't have a chance right now, and now People, you know, not maybe you, me, or Fred, you know, boy, what's wrong with this guy? It's hard to look good when there's nowhere to go, right? Yeah, it's hard to look good when you're getting hit in the back seat. And that's a lot <laughs> of what we've seen from David Montgomery yeah. lately, and, and and that's not his fault, um, obviously. No. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, let's look at Mike Davis. Mike Davis is the guy they gave a two-year, $6 million deal to. I think he played two snaps on offense yeah. uh, the other day. You know, they like him on special teams. My hunch is that he'll be a little more involved offensively. When they brought him in, they thought he'd be like the pass-blocking, third-down-back kind of guy. But, you know, maybe you cycle him in a little bit, too. You know, the thing with, with Tariq Cohen is, you know, he's listed as a running back, but you just absolutely can't think of him like that. And if you think of him as a slot receiver, all of a sudden now it's David Montgomery and Mike Davis who's playing two sacks. Uh, that's not necessarily the balance they want either. So, uh, you know, if I had to bet on one of the three, I'd still bet on Montgomery. I still think there's a chance that at the end of the year, Montgomery is hmm. one of the better running backs in the NFC. But, my God, it's not happening right now. I'm looking at your article right now from today. It says, Mitch looks ready. Does Matt Nagy know that? Because I, I know the injury report came out yesterday. They listed him as questionable after he practiced all week. Can you figure out a reason? <laughs> is there a reason he's listed as questionable? I think John Fox inherited Matt Nagy's body for a day and, uh, yeah. and uh, decided to, to to talk around. No, he's going to go. You know, you know the reason they call him questionable is kind of a twofold thing. Number one is yes, there's a little bit of gamesmanship there because listen, he took all the starting starting snaps the last two practices. He's practicing full the last three practices. He's going to go. You know, but you know there's a little gamesmanship and also. You know, let's say he sleeps funny on the shoulder and something happens, uh-huh. you know, or let's say he, you know, sneezes and falls down, or you know, whatever sort of, you know, you know, uh, weird thing could happen, and he does miss the game. In the NFL, you can't say, "Oh, yeah, he's good to go," and then you know, and then on game day, you know, keep him inactive and say, "Yeah, it was that same injury as sure. it turned out; he wasn't okay." Sure. So uh, you know, that's the reasoning behind it, but. You know, you guys are going to see today. Tyler Bray is not going to get called up today, uh, and that will tell you all, that will tell you all you need to right. know about who they think their starter is going to be and who they think their backup is going to be. Because if they didn't think Mitch was playing, they sure as heck wouldn't go into it. Would just chase Daniel as, as their no. Just reading the articles and listening to the radio the last week or so, um, I, I've never understood. But ever since Mitch went down with a shoulder injury, it seems like he's gotten worse. It seems like everybody has been more critical of him since he's gotten hurt than they were beforehand. Is it just me, or is that true? He's uh, nature abhors a vacuum, and in Chicago, uh, if you're not playing, uh, the, the vacuum uh, gets swallowed up by people saying that he stinks. I mean, he's coming off of his best game of the season by far, that three-touchdown game he had against the Redskins. The one that really the only mistake there was you know, uh, an interception he threw in the red zone when right. the Bears were trying to you know, just kind of run the clock out in the, in the second half, you know, and then he comes out and he's going okay in that first little drive against the Vikings and he gets hurt. So, you know, you talk to his quarterbacks coach, Dave Ragone, as we did this week, and Ragone goes, listen, you know, you know, on a very micro level, you know, it's been a month, 
but he is coming off the best performance he's given us this year. Uh, you know, that was you know a lot more of what the offense was supposed to look like than the first couple of games. And you know, Ragone launches into, "Hey, I don't want to make excuses," and then proceeds to kind of make excuses sure. a little bit. But you know, one of hmm. one of his lines was, "Was listen, you know, they faced the Packers who had." You know this new, you know, uh, new defensive coordinator and new players, and they didn't quite know how that was going to work. I mean, that's a tough matchup. You go to play Vic Fangio; that's a really tough matchup. And then, you know, you then you get the Redskins, <laughs> and uh, that uh, the Redskins are far more aligned, I think, with the Saints as good as the Saints are. You know, but they're you know they're a team that they don't see the Bears every day. You know, they don't have any sort of intimate knowledge of Mr. Risky the way the Vic did. Uh, and I think the hope is that he looks tomorrow uh, the way he did against the Redskins and not the way he did against the Packers or the Broncos. I always thought, uh, fellas, uh, rust never sleeps was my favorite expression, (laughs) but nature abhors a vacuum. May, may, may take the number one slot visiting with our eloquent, uh, uh, what is it? I don't even know what he's talking about. Nature abhors a vacuum, but I love it. He can't use that in the paper because years ago they used it. They told me that the newspapers are supposed to be written for a sixth grade level. I, okay. I, I think it's advanced. Fourth. I, fourth, yeah. Is it fourth? Okay. I was going to say, I think it's advanced by then, but but he, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to put that in a column because yeah. then nobody would understand Thank it. Thank God they're not, they weren't talking about sports talk radio. No, no, it's a first oh grade. God. Yeah, first great kindergarten Patrick stuff. Patrick Finley, a couple more minutes. Nice enough to join us on a busy weekend from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, let's bring in Patrick uh, Eric Ostrowski. We have uh, our Twitter poll running, the Murph and, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll, since about 7 o'clock this morning. And uh, back on Tariq Cohen, so we asked, uh, it's multiple choice, why is Tariq Cohen's production down. I sort of want to hear what the fans said because we've touched on it, but the options for the uh, Bears fans to vote, well, teams have figured him out. Uh, He's lost a step. Uh, Bad offensive line or Nagy's schemes are not getting him into space. Eric, what do the uh, Bears fans uh, do we have a runaway winner there? I know where I voted. Um, it's pretty close. First off, I did not expect us to be quoting Aristotle on this Saturday morning, <laughs> but not, here we are. Patrick Finley. Finley. Yeah. Well, Finley's quoting Aristotle. Who's this Aristotle guy? Ixnay, Eric. Ixnay. All right, so why is Tariq Cohen's production down? We'll start at the bottom. Only 2% saying he lost a step. 20, uh, 20% saying teams have figured him out. 34% saying because it's the bad O-line. And 44% saying it's because of Nagy's schemes. That's where I went. What happened to the schemes where this guy used to be out? I, I love the phrase, but it's overused. Open out in space, Patrick. <laughs> if I were to vote, I'd make up a fifth category because that's the kind of person I am. And I would say Allen Robinson. You know, you know, let's look at Allen Robinson. You know, if he stays on the pace that he's on, he's going to finish the season with 99 receptions. I think that would rank him fourth all-time in Bears history and only three receptions away from being second in Bears history. I, I think yardage-wise, he'd be in the top ten. Uh, that's really good for Allen Robinson, who is rounding into the kind of player he was before he got hurt when he was in Jacksonville. That's not really good for the Bears' offense. Matt Nagy's offense is far more egalitarian uh, than John Fox's was. You know, I, I think people look at Tariq Cohen and they get caught up. You know, way back with Fox, I mean, he was the only guy they had. He was literally their weapon. He was the person that everybody traveled with defensively. You know, you know, they made sure that they were doubling Tariq all the time. That's still happening now, but people are more concerned about Allen Robinson. The Bears are going to Robinson more. 
I think it'll balance out a little more. I think that you will see Tariq open in space. I think you will see the Bears trying to distribute the ball, whether to him or to Trey Burton or Anthony Miller or now that he's back, Taylor Gabriel. But I think the real reason is that on you know on third down when the Bears really need to throw, they're not looking at Tariq Cohen. They're looking at A-Rob. Hmm. And to his credit, A-Rob's catching the ball oh. <laughs> and yep. the first down. Amazing. Uh, but he is, you know, Tariq isn't the first option anymore. I, I would argue that first couple of years of his career, he might have been. Yeah. Similar question, but on the other side of the ball. So, uh, you know, the takeaways, uh, they call them turnovers, but, you know, like, remember Lovey Smith, take the ball away, but he never, ever, Lovey Smith, talked about uh, don't give the ball away, which I always thought was sort of paradoxical, you know, take it away, take it away, but he never seemed to preach, but when we have the ball, I want to, you know, not give it away. Anyway, we all know the takeaways are down, but... Eddie Jackson, why are the, his takeaways down? He he had the picks. He had the loose balls. Is it just random walk, you know, uh, like throwing that these things happen or they don't? The balls, don't, the fumbles don't bounce right up. It's a, not a, a round ball. Or is there something different with the defensive scheming uh, now with Pagano that doesn't uh, lend itself so much as in the past to uh, take a pick? picks from the safeties or help me out here what's going on i'm not worried about eddie jackson one bit i i, I don't think that this is some sign that he has lost a step or doing something different uh-huh. and i think that you're right there is some uh, just fumble luck there and you can apply fumble luck to interceptions too is, is that sure. you know it's one of those things in football and chuck pagano was talking about it this week that you know when you start forcing it when you start laying back there going dang it i got to get an interception right now that is the last thing you should be doing because then you definitely will not get a pick. You know, I think you could argue that Adrian Amos, who was his, you know, safety teammate uh, last year, uh, you know, they played him more for more with run. You know, he was more of the run stopping one, and Eddie was the ball hawk. And, and this year, you know, ha ha, Clinton Dix can play a little ball hawk, as you guys saw in the Redskins game. So maybe that has something to do with it. But really, you know, Eddie's, you know, Eddie's just as good this year as he was last year. You know, whether those interception numbers are here right now yeah. or not, uh, you know, I, I don't think the Bears are concerned about him one bit. Okay, well, what we probably should be concerned about is uh, Noah Keem Hicks. Uh, what's, who's going to be the guy that's got to fill that, or is that going to be a cumulative thing? Or, you know, I think that they're going to, you know, have a couple guys that are going to have to fill that spot. Well, it just the D-line by its nature is, is kind of a team effort. You know, the Bears tend to cycle these guys through. A lot, even, you know, even Akeem Hicks. But you're going to see Bilal Nichols. He'll be back tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like because he's going to play with a, with a club on his right hand, which he broke. His fingers are going to be exposed, uh, but his palm will not be. And, you know, when you play defensive line, you really need to use your hands and you need to use them well. So he'll be back. I, I think it's foolish to expect him to be 100%, but if he's 85 or 90, that would be a, a big help there. Roy Robertson-Harris has had himself a really good season. Yep. You know, he'll be on that defensive line, too, and then you put Eddie Golden in the middle. And you've still got a pretty good D-lot. Um, you know, Akeem Hicks was really the heart of this defense, you know, emotionally, just verbally. You know, there are guys on the team who call him Mufasa. You know, Pagano called him our alpha. I mean, uh-huh. he has a special place in that defense that they're not going to be able to replace. But, you know, he'll be on the sidelines. He'll be trying to help out in any way he can. And, and I think that's real interesting when you compare that. You know, Kyle Long's not really around uh, anymore, but Akeem Hicks is, and they're hoping that Akeem can 
you know, spread some of that energy on the sideline and affect the game that way. Patrick, great stuff. Real quick, uh, Fred, let's talk, you know, they call it like inside radio. No uh-huh. one wants it. Inside the, uh, uh, the Sun-Times. Now, there's, <laughs> there's five predictions, and uh, our buddy Mark Potash, Bears 23-21. Uh, Jason uh, Leiser, uh, 13-10 Bears. You, Patrick Finley, Bears 15-9. So the beat guys, Fred, the yep. beat columnist, Bears, Bears, Bears. Now we got the columnist. We got Rick Morrissey. <laughs> he's, got, he's got Saints 16-10. And uh, uh, my old buddy uh, Rick Tellender, Saints 24-20. So, be honest. Do the beat guys have some beers? And then they go, these columnists, what the heck are they talking about? That's or what you got. Or vice versa. Oh, that's what you guys do. Be yeah. honest, right? Yeah, it's a forest from the trees sort of situation. I'm sure that you know that we are up close to it. And I'll tell you this: I've made my prediction on Thursday morning that Alvin Kamara ah. being ruled out yesterday sure makes me look smart, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I think I think if the two Ricks had known uh, that the Saints uh, had the potential of going in without Cook, without Kamara. I think maybe they would have rethought that. Yeah. Nice, yeah, you're probably nice, right. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking you, about you. You didn't get me in trouble. You didn't get no, me in no, trouble. No, no, no. The two Ricks are talking about Patrick, Jason, and Mark anyway, so what the heck. <laughs> hey, seriously, Patrick, thanks for your personal time. Fans love hearing you, and uh, continue to great work at the Sun-Times. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. Patrick Finley. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. And, you know, I didn't want to bring it up yeah. with Patrick, but uh, Alvin Kamara will not be playing. And, you know, we he just yeah. talked that about that a little bit. But the running back that is playing is Latavius Murray. Now, I had to look it up while, you got, while we were talking. Mm-hmm. The final game of the 2017 season, Latavius Murray was the running back for the Minnesota Vikings. He had 20 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns. So just because Alvin Kamara is not there, do not let it be a Latavius Murray back to Chicago kind of game, okay? The Bears got to shut down any kind of running game that the Saints have and get after Teddy Bridgewater, and they got to do it tomorrow from the start of the game. Right off the bat, get after him. And uh, hopefully that's what the defense will do, and hopefully the fans will be right, you know, in their in their corner. And then you see Mitchell Trubisky get out there and make some things happen. Because like I said, ever since, uh-huh. ever since he got hurt, he's gotten worse. I don't understand <laughs> how, but that's that's the way everyone's looked at him. He's gotten worse now. I see. Should they even keep him? Should they get rid of him? Let's let him play another game or two. Okay, there's a long way to go in this season. It's sort of like a Jorge Soler. The more he played, the more he got hurt. Yes. And Jimmy Pearsall. <laughs> the more you play golf, the worse you get. Right. And here, the the, the less Mitchell Trubisky plays, the the worse he is. <laughs> That's I, funny. I don't that understand. Is, That's right. Hey, do we have some time? A little White Sox talk in for Fred. Ravage. Now, Fred, I know your last few weeks have been just upside down for you. I don't yep. know if you heard this. Cut. Uh, Carl Ravage. Uh, ESPN, ESPN dude. Sunday yep. Night Baseball national yep. uh, guy, baseball guy. He visited uh, uh, for a few minutes with, uh, well, let's see, I'm not, I can't. That was a, a waddle in the Okay, cool. Thank you, EO11. And uh, 
Now, this was before Joe Madden was signed, you know, by the Los Angeles Angels. Okay. But he's talking about uh, the White Sox in general and uh, uh, managers. And, uh, well, let's eavesdrop here. It's uh, uh, pretty quick. It's Carl Ravitch. And then, Fred, you can jump in with your Sox uh, review of what uh, Carl, stay out of White Sox business, Kenny Williams might be saying right here. I do think the organization is close. Not only would I do that with Garrett Cole, uh, I think you and I had this conversation. Uh, I would I would knock on Joe Madden's door. Like I don't understand why we're not uh, hearing about the Chicago White Sox uh, at least at least having these conversations with with these great managers. And uh, while it's no disrespect, and every time somebody says it's no disrespect, it usually means you're disrespecting. <laughs> uh, I'm trying not to disrespect Rick Renneria, um, but by the same token, you know, in a weird way. If if I'm the Chicago Cubs and I have no history with Joe Madden and David Ross is available or anyone else, Joe Madden is my manager. And I understand in Chicago he's caused all sorts of uh, discussions and debates. I get it. But Joe Madden's at the top of the manager list right now. So if the White Sox you know, find themselves in a position to believe with these young guys coming and some of their position players proving to be maybe better offensively than they thought, uh, should you upgrade your starting staff? Of course. Should you consider upgrading manager managers? Of course. And I that that's where I would be with the with the White Sox. And it's a it's a division where the Twins have been a little better, I think, than people thought. But the Indians seem to be trending at least back towards the pack, and the White Sox can certainly move up to that group. They don't have the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers or Astros to worry about in that division. Kyle Ravitch, uh, earlier uh, about a week ago, and, you know, the Joe Girardi's name still out uh, there, those type of guys. Fred, uh, do you have any, uh, you know, agreement with him that maybe it's time not to a, look for a... Not uh, even... Not a, nope. Nope. Not at all. Uh-huh. Uh, Yohan Moncada got better, and I'm pretty sure Ricky Renteria was a, the manager. Uh, Tim Anderson has gotten better at the plate. I'm pretty sure that Ricky Renteria was still the manager. And uh, it, it, it all comes down to players again, and I'm going to stick with it. I don't care who the manager is. Ricky Renteria seems to have a relationship with these guys. It seemed to be okay. Um, they they played a re- relatively well for him uh, this past year. And uh, people people would get mad at Renteria for making some pitching changes. Listen, when you, when you have a bad bullpen, or a bullpen lets you down, then it doesn't matter. You got to go make a change. You got to get a guy out. Uh, I, it's not going to matter. How's Joe? How's Joe going to do in L.A.? He's got one player. Got no pitching. Let's, right. He's got no pitching and one player. Let's see how he's going to do out there. It, you without players, you're not winning. It doesn't matter. I think Ricky Renteria. They're happy with him here. Um, I think if Robin Ventura was still here. The manager's not going to win you games if you don't have the players. It's not going to matter. Now, Davey Martinez, is that why the Nationals are winning? Well, Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, Rendon, that, that's that's why the Nationals are winning, and that's why the Nationals are playing Even now. Even Sanchez and uh, Corbin, they yeah. got four starters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Why are the teams that are in the playoffs right now? Well, the Yankees hit the crap out of the ball, and that's why they win games. And the Astros can pitch and usually not strike out a lot. They struck out a little bit yesterday. Got a Twitter poll for Sox fans. As Paul Sullivan, we touched on, said, time to spend some money. Fred says the players, well, Sox fans vote now. Starting 
pitcher Derek Cole and third baseman Anthony Rendon are both free agents. Sox fans, which guy excites you more, Cole or Rendon? And Cup fans, hey, Theo, who are you going to fire next? Vote for Jed Hoyer. David Ross, how are you going to fire him? Anyway? The Iowa AAA manager? Or Theo's going to say, I'm going to fire Tom Ricketts. Vote now. ESPN 1000. Back in a flash. Hey, look what we have. We got some What's Your Beefs coming up. I got a Pick a Lane segment. We got about seven hours of material left for the final 30 minutes. ESPN 1000. Saturday morning, almost now. Saturday afternoon, Murph and Fred and... Nah, no day drinking here. Oh. I don't know. Skeleton key, <laughs> skeleton key brewing out by me. Oh. Five o'clock. They got a uh, they got a food truck coming. I may have to stop, make a stop nice. there. I haven't been there in a little while, so they're uh, I got a gift card there. Sox fans are voting right now. Who would you rather have? Who excites you more? Starting pitching free agent Derek Cole or third baseman star free agent Anthony Rendon? Let's bring in. Uh, Don from Burr Ridge. Hello, Don. Fred, I've been listening to you guys since I've been a tot, and I'm 57. Boy, that's before uh, Marconi invented radio. Almost. I love tots. Somebody, there's a place out now that's got cheesy tots. you got to uh, go check them out. Tater tots yeah. are the best. Yeah. As you see in this playoff, pitching wins championships. If I was the GM of the White Sox, I would be all in on Garrett Cole. Rendon's a great player, but you got a third baseman. I know you can move him back to second, but you put Cole at the top. You got Giolito second. That helps out. If I was the Cubs or the Sox, I would go for Corey Dickerson. Um, the Cubs, if I was the Cubs, I'd get Dickerson, put him in left. I'd put Schwarber at first, and I would trade Rizzo. Um, you'd get a lot for Rizzo. Um, Cubs got to do something. Um, I wouldn't trade uh, Bryant on the, on the down. Um, I wouldn't trade Baez. Uh, Contreras is a great player. His only concern is his injury factor. He, he gets nicked up every year, but he's increased on his um, pitch framing, and he's a great arm, um, and he's young. That's a, a hard position to fill. First base is the easiest position to fill, so I would be trading Rizzo if I was right. a Cub. Hey, good stuff, Don. Thanks. Call just, again. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, and uh, the White Sox aren't going to get either one. Garrett Cole or Rendon. Um, but I don't know what Rendon's, I mean, uh, Garrett Cole's going to get because he basically can get whatever he asks for, it seems like. But Jerry Reinsdorf's not the one that's going to do that. But, I, you know, if it was a five-year deal, that'd be one thing. I think he's going to look for six or seven. And I don't think he's going to be satisfied with five. And I cannot imagine Jerry Reinsdorf going to seven years. Um, five would be pushing it. Mm. And because it's going to be what thirty something for five, I mean, it's going to probably more than that, right? And uh, I I can't see them doing that. As far as uh, his uh, comments uh, down on, on the north side, everyone seems to think that what Nick Castellanos is, Castellanos is not coming back then as a free agent. How can you not say he's the left fielder of the future? You're stuck with 
Hayward, and then you got to get a Whit Merrifield or someone that can play center field uh, leadoff. You can't trade Contreras. How are you going to fill his role? You can't trade Rizzo because, well, you know, because he's. Well, Don said you can get you can get a lot for Rizzo. No, I don't think no, you can. No. Not, not on his agent. No. So the uh, two pieces that they're going to have to trade, at least my opinion, Sh- uh, Schwarber and Left, we fill him with Castellanos as the free agent in left field. Hayward's got to play. How are you going to get rid of him? Find your new center fielder, leadoff man. And that leaves uh, Bryant uh, to be traded. Hopefully the market value is as much as people think it is right now. Two years to go, and he's been up and down. You never know what you could get from him. A lot of dough, even though he's not a free agent yet. And then I don't see Rendon coming to Wrigley Field money-wise like you were sort of saying on the south side, Fred. But you find a guy like uh, Moustakas or someone who's – there are a lot of free agents out there that can be bread-and-butter guys, maybe bat left play every day at third base. So let's bring in EO11. What do the Sox fans say on our Twitter poll? Eric, uh, who do the Sox fans find more exciting? Do, do they agree with? Uh, yeah. well, I think it's going to be set between seventy-five to eighty percent for Cole, Cole, Garrett Cole, Eric, Brad, Brad, Fred. It made it into your range. Okay, eighty percent Garrett Cole. Okay, it's more exciting to twenty percent Anthony Rendon. He's pretty darn amazing. He's I mean, what he can do, to watch, yeah, yes. what he can do is really, really good. And, and is that mostly because, because? Well, we already have a third baseman, like Don said. Well, He's like, this guy can hit. Yeah, but you know what? Well, they, the, the Sox have a third baseman that can hit, and they actually play pretty well. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Moncada was like third. Or, uh, I, I, he finished third in the league in hitting, but defensively, believe it or not, he actually had re- pretty good defensive numbers. Um, so Rendon, you wouldn't want him in left. You got Eloy. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. and I'm not saying don't get him because of that, but right. what are you going to do? You've you've already moved him once, yeah. Moncada. You're going to move him again. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'm thinking for the way, how much they're going to improve. What about first base for Rendon? That's the, that would be the only possibility, but you've got... The number one pick, Vaughn's coming up. They like him. Yeah, not for a couple of years. He yeah. was just drafted well, last year. I mean, year. coming up now, right, but right. coming through. Yeah, so that's a possibility. Yeah. He could be All ready right. when, when Abreu's done. Yeah, okay. So he could still, you know, DH Abreu. That would... That would work, and then you'd have a guy that could play first base who's yeah. a very, very good defensive player. See, Theo hasn't fired anybody, uh, anyone, fired anyone in, in at least a week. <laughs> oh, I know he didn't really fire Madden. He didn't renew him, so semantically, whatever you want to go with. So the Twitter poll said, hey, Theo, who are you going to fire next? Jed Hoyer, David Ross, AAA manager, whoever he is, and Tom Ricketts. The point is, everybody, there's no one left for him to fire. See, that if you get the big picture right. of this Twitter poll question, he's uh, going to fire Jed Hoyer? I mean, even any fan would see through that. You're blaming the guy that gets the coffee? What the fans say? It was sort of a trick question with no real answer, I understand. Eric, give it to me. It's actually really spread out. Uh-huh. So 21% of the voters saying that he should fire the owner, Tom Ricketts. Okay, well, that, 21%. Well, that's cool because everyone knows my tongue's in my cheek. That's exactly. great. That's great. I, thank you, everyone, who voted the 21% of you. 23% David Ross, 24% Which, hold on, hold on. Chad They can't even fire David Ross yet. They haven't hired him. No. Nope. Oh, I know he's on the payroll for the ambassador and Ed Chair. Okay, go on. Sorry, go on. You get 24% for Jed Hoyer. <laughs> and with the most amount of votes, 32%, the Iowa manager. Right. So, as I exemplify <laughs> here through the uh, Twitter poll, there's no one left for Theo to fire. Right. Except, I guess, himself. But I didn't have the fifth slot uh, to do that right there. Hey, let's pick a lane, Fred. Okay. Crank 
interrupt you. I got a little Eagles here on a Saturday morning. Yeah, and they're doing they're doing a tour now, and they're not coming to Chicago. Well, yeah. thanks. I'm not going to Vegas to watch you. Sorry. That's not Joe Walsh up there. And said, yeah, it is. Yeah. About 20 years ago, we went out to, was it, the one on the 80, Interstate 80. Yeah, the one in Tindley Park. It's changing names. Yeah, it's been a million different things. Yeah. Now it's a Hollywood, casino, Hollywood Casino. We saw the I Eagles think. out there, and uh, last time I'd seen Joe Walsh, he had long, dark hair. This time he had, like, uh, white hair. I go, that's not Joe Walsh. And then he started wailing and away. Said, yeah. that's, that's Joe Walsh. Tremendous guitar oh, player. Oh, God, are yep. you kidding me? Yep. Pick a lane here, Fred. I got the MLB playoffs. What about the off days? I have, uh, let's see here. NFL referee calls. I can stop the problems in one easy move. Or let's see. Well, let's go with that right away because right. I, I get a feeling it could be the move I've been talking about for decades, but maybe not. Okay, all they have to do, if they really want to yeah. end all this, yeah. you know, stop, ban, replay during the game Oof. when you're home. See, now think oh, about it. Well, the, the same way that they You're would have to stop the, the K-Zone on TV for baseball. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, okay. They we can't get the calls right, so we're just not going to show you that they're wrong. Right. They replay seven, ten times. Right. Did he, was it hands to the face or not? Was it, well, when it happens real time for the referee, you know, I can see why. There should also be a penalty against when you deke the ref by throwing your head back when it didn't happen. Yeah. But... Point is, it's all gambling. I understand. I'm an idiot. It's all because of gambling. If if they didn't, if they just kept the game going and didn't show TV, now I'm not talking about throwing the flag, challenging the refs yeah. call replay. I'm sorry. I mean, just the replay. I'll never do it. Yeah. But that would end everything yeah. in one move. Uh, I, I heard real quickly. I heard Sylvie talking about it the other day. He they didn't understand what the maybe he understood. Someone didn't understand what the sky judge kind of is, and it's what I've been saying with all sports. Fred at home in a lazy boy. You have the one guy sitting there watching the game, right. and not like the guy right now who's watching six games or seven games, and then just looks when there's a questionable uh -huh. play. He's watching the game like we do at home, and he can see, but he's at the ballpark. He's at the stadium, and he can see it immediately. And he buzzes down and say, wrong call, change yeah. it now. It takes no yeah. time at all. Right. It's done immediately. Just baseball. They, they call down, and then the umpires have to go put their <laughs> headphones on, and then they have to listen. They're listening and listening, They've and then the guy in New York's watching it's so stupid. When we return, got a few more pick a lanes for Fred. MLB playoffs, World Series. What about the off days? I got Marty Brenneman. Well, we also got to talk oh. about how stupid the Yankee fans are. Oh, here we go. Okay. A big group of them. Marty Brenneman. Okay. He called the Cub fans the worst in all of baseball. What do you say now, Marty? I got the pick a lane. Tom Ricketts. Who is his confidant? Oh, beer money. We already covered that one, didn't we? Yep. Back in a flash, Murph and Freddy, ESPN 1000. Oh, lovely day. It's turning out to be a nice uh, early type fall day in Mid Chicago. Mid-60s. It's unbelievable. What else Gorgeous is going outside. on today? What were uh, we talking about well, today? Today is... Uh, Today, and you might have heard on one of the commercials, today is Sweetest Day. Uh-oh. And uh, I was telling Eric and you uh -oh. that uh, in the last couple of years, now I have two holidays that I despise because my, my mother passed away, so I'm not a big fan of Mother's Day. And uh, uh -huh. now, you know, my wife passed away last week, and 
I'm not a big fan of Sweetest Day anymore. Today um, is Sweetest Day? Yeah. So uh -oh. I mentioned that to my uh, niece, Brittany, who was in town yeah. from uh, Nantucket. She came in for the, the wake. And Once funeral. was a man from Nantucket. Yes, and her and her man, Jared, was with her. And um, Don't want to hear the rest of the... Uh, yeah. I was going to say, we can't finish. Yeah, no, we can't finish. Not, <laughs> no. not Jared, no. no. So she goes, well, you know, Sweetest Day is just a Midwest thing. And I go, no, it's not. She goes, yeah, look it up. So I did. Sweetest Day, a holiday celebrated in the Midwestern United States and parts of the Northeast, also parts of northern parts of Florida, on the third Saturday of October. And uh, it says here, the first Sweetest Day was October 10th of twenty of uh, 1921. Uh, wouldn't you know it? And uh, 12 confectioners chaired by a candy maker, got together and called it the sweetest day of the year. I thought it was Mr. Uh, Hallmark uh, Cards. No, but it, it is called a Hallmark holiday and a concocted <laughs> promotion, which I think I can say that. So, yeah, the states, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Co Michigan, yes, Missouri, uh, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, yeah. Wisconsin, West Virginia. Well, Unbelievable. I'll tell you this. I told lovely Dana, I Sweetest said, day. I don't celebrate God. holidays that didn't exist when I was a kid. Well, See, 1921, so. Well, not in Illinois. Okay. I guarantee you, <laughs> when I was a kid, it didn't exist in Illinois. It doesn't okay. say what year, which state. No, it doesn't. No, no. Uh -uh. But when Dana was a kid, you got to love the, yeah. young, the youngster that she is, <laughs> there was Sweetest Day. So I remember uh, 26 years ago at our first uh, anniversary, uh -huh. uh, Sweetest Day, I go, so... <laughs> And guess what the lovely Dana did last night? She brought me a piece of candy, a Fannie Mae. You yep. can buy the individual ones, like sure. for a buck. One of the originators of Sweetest Day, Fannie Mae. Well, Go on. Right. If you eat enough, your stomach won't show it, but your Fannie Mae. Remember that old joke? And uh, she brought me a Buckeye. Not, not 52 to 3, Ohio State. Yeah. You ever seen a Fannie Mae Buckeye? No. I've never seen a Buckeye. Well, because you know, all melt, melt away in it. Right. But this one, it's it's like a um, Reese's peanut butter. Oh, okay. It's chocolate with a little peanut butter in the middle. So I think they said, you know what? <laughs> Every 20 years, we better come up with a new. It's unbelievable. The Trin Buckeye. Trinidad's are my favorite. Oh, they're Fannie the Mae. Best. Yeah, Trinidad's. I go to Jewel. You can buy the, uh, one, the, the little yeah. pack there for about. Sometimes it's a buck 79, but when it's a buck 50, I buy them. Go on out to Aurora. They've got a Fannie Mae outlet. Yeah. And, and it's an outlet that actually you can save money, unlike most of the okay. other ones out there. Well, remember, your stomach won't show it, but your. Well, there ain't nobody looking at my Fannie. So, <laughs> Fannie Mae. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, uh, you know what? We're going to have to get to some of these uh, pick a lane next Saturday, Fred. Oh, they'll be still, they'll still, they still won't have a cup manager. Marty Brenneman, uh, Tom Ricketts, he has no confidence. Next week, well, we just hand who's the cup manager going to be? Well, the uh, Cubs players still insist that the new manager gives them three days in advance of when they're going to play. Hey, I saw this. Jeremy Colleton, Blackhawks. Yeah. He doesn't tell the goalie. Did you see this? Who's starting? I did not. Until the morning of the game. That they're going to be in the net. Jeez. You know what I'm thinking? Then they can never, then at late at night, go, I'm not even playing yeah. tomorrow. I'm going to stay out a little longer. It's kind of like Aaron huh? Boone. Aaron Boone not telling the Astros who's going to pitch. There you go. Want to thank our guest, the great Jesse Rogers. Visit now, Eddie Alchek. He's at the Costco in Schaumburg starting at noon, signing his great book, uh, the, Beating the, Beating odds. the Odds in Life and in Hockey and the great Patrick Finley from the Sometimes Talking Bears. Thanks, Eric Ostrowski. Don't forget, it's Hoodie and Black and Abdallah. They're at Bat 17 at Evanston. And I'll be back tomorrow with Mongo 9 to noon. We're getting you ready for Bears and Saints. Murph and Fred Sand, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.